0: Hey guys and welcome to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Once again, coming to you with our monthly preview show. This is a show where we go through the previews, books, pick out the best of what we're looking forward to most, what's most deserving of your hard-earned cash, uh, point those out to you so you don't have to. But of course, if you do want to, the books are in store anytime you want to have a flick through. So your host is always Alan, the owner of Coffee and Heroes in Belfast. Delighted as always to be joined by Mr. Keith Miller. Good evening, sir. Good evening to you. How are you? How's tricks? Tricks are good. We're recording this on New Comic Book Day, the 31st of August. New Comic Book Day, always a good day for the store. Always busy, tons of great titles. And then, of course, we can take you through the best of the titles coming up soon. And we're trying this out slightly different this week, just so you know, just in case there's the odd awkward pause here and there we uh we were fortunate enough to interview Mr Garth Ennis no less last week and uh, he very graciously allowed us to release the video to that and we sort of thought we would release the video of some of our pod recordings just just to make it easier whatever your you know preferred method is when it comes to you know getting this information we thought we'd throw it out there but you may have to uh, put up with a little a few teething problems and maybe the odd scratch nose every so often forgetting there's a camera there (laughs) so uh but yeah as i say this this is where we go through the previews books so you know the previews books of course are separated in the three separate books you have the marvel book you have the dc book as well dc book is also available at dcconnect.com and then we have the main previews book which is your big bad boy so uh we always break it down first of all the books the general impressions themselves i mean I usually lead off with DC being Mr. DC, of course, so if it's a DC book, of course, there's loads of Batman in there. There's a a few new Batman titles coming out, continuation of the the single-issue Batman event, One More Day as well, which is fantastic so far, I have to say. We've got Geoff Johns introducing a bit of classic DC, you know, bringing back some of the Golden Age stuff, some of the original Justice Society stuff. Keith's a very happy man this month, you know, there's uh, Matthew Rosenberg taking over his own little corner of the DC universe, it would appear with some uh, 90s goodness, we'll go into more detail on that of course, there's uh, still some celebration for Superman, we're hitting the 30th anniversary of Superman, at the death of Superman, obviously 1992, so there's some celebratory issues for that, we're also moving forward on bringing Clark back to Earth, uh, so some uh, comics dealing with that, some nice facsimiles as well, this is Facsimiles is something that are becoming more and more popular. It's the way people are getting some of these great issues uh, at decent prices instead of being charged an arm and leg uh, on eBay. You've got your annual DC Christmas One-Shot, which has a great title, which of course will reveal. And I'll also tell you why you should cancel all your Absolute orders for a certain title and pre-order this Omnibus instead. Uh, and I'm not usually one to say get an Omnibus instead of an Absolute. Uh, But yeah, pretty packed month for DC. There's tons of still great continuing titles as well. Uh, But yeah, there'll be a couple of other graphic novels we'll get into as well. So that's the DC side of things. How is that Marvel book looking?
1: Well, uh, as we know, November brings uh, Thanksgiving for our our US-based cousins. And the Marvel book is an absolute Thanksgiving feast uh, of new titles, new stories, uh, new arcs, uh, some great twists. On existing stuff, uh, so it is. It's an it's absolutely stacked. Uh, I think you can you can agree. Um, we have got uh, in the new side. We've got the new gold, golden goblin, goblin. Easily said, limited series. Uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it's under the, the the watchful eye of the fantastic Christopher Cantwell, who's coming off his beautiful run on Iron Man. I know you don't agree but you will whenever you finally get a chance to read it. We've got plenty going on in the in the X corner. We've got the finish of um, of AXE, that's Avengers X, X-Men Eternals, that crossover by uh, Kieran Killen. So that's finishing off just in time for, on the heroic side of things, Avengers writer Jason Aron to start uh, really ramping up for his finish on his seminal run on Avengers. With what looks to be a huge story that seems to be bringing a whole lot of the things he's been doing together, um, we've got some cool stuff happening in Spider-Man. Uh, we have uh, Spider-Man Double Trouble, which looks like a crossover between uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales. That looks uh, very jumping on and kid friendly. And also in the, the more um, mainstream side of of Spider-Man, we've got uh, we've got something something brewing uh, that looks uh, looks very very interesting, but. To be honest, I'm going to be talking about, or we're going to be talking about most of it, so I'll, I'll say no more here.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I always judge the books a little bit by how hard it is for me to pare down onto the previews boards that we have in store. story, and I'll put five, six choices up in those. And the DC one was relatively straightforward for me. The Marvel one I really struggled with, even to the (laughs) point where a a certain co-host gave me plenty of abuse today uh, for what I actually chose. But that's only because there's so much good stuff in the Marvel book. As Keith says, it's a a veritable feast this month. When it comes to the indie side of things, I mean, it's probably no surprise because it happens 11 months out of 12 a year. Image is leading the way with tons of great-looking titles. You know, lots of great number ones. They've got some great jumping-on points for established titles. They have some original graphic novels being printed and we say a fond farewell to one of the the great comic franchises as well. Uh, But Boom also have a very strong month. I mean, a a certain favourite creator of Keith's launches a new title through Boom Studios uh, with one of the longest titles in comics. There is (laughs) also David M. Bohr, we're big fans of, you know, through the the World of Canto, launching a new book through Boom that has a very John Carpenter tinge to it, which looks great. Firefly continues to pump out the comics which I know Keith really, really enjoys. Dark Horse is interesting this month. Dark Horse sees the launch of a, a new imprint within Dark Horse uh, led by Kevin Smith and a launching launch him with a title this month. You've got Brian Michael Bendis launched a new title and then there's plenty of other little bits and pieces throughout the indie book. There's also a, a new publisher being set up that, depending on your point of view is either a great thing or a their best work is behind them thing but I'm firmly in the first camp. so uh that can't be a bad thing to jump into, and there's even room for some wrestling merchandise in the book as well, which will serve wrestling to- you see. wrestling some wrestling indeed and uh, I already have about five pre-orders which is hilarious uh, (laughs) for that so but yeah we'll jump into the books in more detail so if you are playing along at home this is the the DC Connect book so with DC as I say you can go to dccomics.com and easily find a digital copy of the latest book but again we will always have these in store if you're popping in and want to have a flick through so of course as I say it's a certain dark night leading the way as is always the case with DC these days let's let's be honest uh, it's interesting actually because Keith and I had a chat today in store about Marvel in the 90s a little bit and how Deadpool was everywhere so you know you got bored of the character because he was in every title a little bit of Wolverine fatigue as well we never seen to have Batman fatigue which is incredible to me because the sheer amount of titles is is nuts but that's probably due to the fact that the, the great creators that work on Batman you know there's a great diversity of creators there and some different tones and
1: I would, uh, I would say I mean you know, you're never going to get that, that Batman boredom, as you say, because of the variety. But Batman is also, you know, one of DC's lead characters. It's the same as you can't really oversaturate Spider Man, done with, by so many different
0: creators, so many different ways, you know? It's... Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I suppose just all these creators want to work for these flagship characters, so it's, it's understandable. And, and it's also interesting, I mentioned the 90s, I mentioned Deadpool, which of course leads to Image Comics, and therefore the first title up, of course, has its links to Image as well. Uh, this this was a title actually announced, I think, a couple of years ago at Comic-Con and then it didn't seem to go anywhere. But it's from Mark Silvestri, who of course was one of the the leading lights in setting up Image Comics, was one of Marvel Comics' best artists until the formation of Image. And it's a new title called uh, Batman and Joker Deadly Duo. And it's going to be a seven-issue miniseries, and this sounds really, really interesting, actually. Uh, the Joker will go to any lengths to get Harley Quinn back after she is abducted by a strange culprit. But who? Mysterious Joker-like monsters are stalking the streets of Gotham, collecting severed heads. But why? Jim Gordon is missing, and after receiving a package containing a bloody piece of Gotham's commissioner, Batman knows he must be willing to do anything to save him. But how? When the Joker proposes an uneasy alliance with Batman, the answers to those questions begin to become clear and they will shake Gotham and the Bat family to their core. So yeah, sounds really, really cool. The the preview art looks great on this as well. It's actually going to be launching in November with two issues in November, which is a a common theme, I should say, through the, the DC book here. There are a couple of titles that are double solicited which means it's going to be a five-week release month. You're going to get an issue at the start of the month and an issue at the end of the month. And Batman, Joker, Daily Joe is definitely one of them. You've got varying covers there, you know, from Batman Royalty, Kelly Jones, Jim Lee, Yannick Paquette as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely one to look forward to. Greg Capullo doing one as well for issue one. Is this going to be one you pick up yourself? Uh, maybe,
1: maybe. Uh, it's the, I mean, Mark Silvestri, writing, art, cover... It's described as his Gotham. This uh, maybe the last time he will dip his dip
0: his hand into the into the Batman into the Gotham universe. Um, I may, I may. So yeah, Batman Joker Daily Joe again going to be a seven issue miniseries for that one. So number one and two launching that month. Speaking of Batman and speaking of nineties, I'm really seeing a theme here. Uh, next up is the Batman Spawn Classic Collection. <laughs> speaking of Batman, speaking of nineties, speaking of Image mean, Connects. It just at it all it's, its almost like this is all planned, you know, almost <laughs> like it. But uh, yeah, back in print for the first time in years, they're putting together this uh, Batman Spawn: The Classic Collection. You've got a. Just a pencil cover there so far that Greg Capullo's putting together for this. I mean, the Batman Spawn crossover comics, they had an incredible amount of talent working on them. You know, you had Doug Moenick, Chuck Dixon, Alan Grant, Frank Miller, Klaus Janssen, Todd McFarlane, you know, some of the biggest creators at the time, and... This is going to be a collection of a few classics. You've got Batman Spawn War Devil. Uh, you've also got the spa, uh, Spawn Batman One-Shot, which is Frank Miller and Todd McFarlane as well. So, this is going to be a wee 112-page bad boy. Uh, it does carry a very hefty price, I have to say. Just looking at it, $20. dollars you got to love you some Spawn and some Batman to enjoy this. Unless, mm-hmm. of course, it's loaded with extras, which it may just be. But... Yeah, it's back in print for the first time in a long time. This is one that I know a lot of guys in the store have asked about, certainly. You know, getting those trades of Batman spawn. Because yeah, McFarlane and Miller, you can't go wrong with that. Probably both at the peak of their powers at that point. So uh, the next one's a Batman title, but I'm not going to introduce this one. I'm going to leave that to your fine self.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. This is this is off the the series of one shots that are that, that that are following the Bat villains, you know, Batman's rogue gallery. And whenever these things come out, uh, and these ones particularly, the one bad day uh, series of one shots, I sort of immediately went, I won't have to get too many of those. And then the first one was Tom King on the Riddler, uh, which is sitting on my pile currently. Uh, and then uh, there was another one with John Ridley on the Penguin, and I was like, "Oh, John Ridley, that'll be good." And then this one, of course, is Jerry Duggan, uh, Mario Scalera on Mister Freeze. So I think I've managed to not miss really one of them so far with regard to with regard to to interest. So as I say, this is uh, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, known for many many things, most notably currently uh, leading the 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 X Men books and writing the current the current X Men book, uh art and cover by Mario Scalera, uh, the White Knight stuff, various other bits and pieces, you know, absolutely fantastic. It's uh, Cardstock Prestige, uh, 64 pages, and it says, Going back to the Dark Knight's early days in Gotham City, Batman and Robin, Dick Grayson, uh, face down the coldest winter Gotham has ever seen. A winter so cold that Mr. Freeze, Victor Freeze, no longer needs his containment suit to survive. He is in an element where he can thrive. Robin empathises with Mr. Freeze. All Freeze wants to do is save his wife. Nora Uh, but Batman warns Robin not to give his empathy to Victor Freeze he's a man who decided his own fate a long time ago and he deserves none of our warmth and this winter he will show his true wickedness and power Uh, that sounds fantastic are we driven by love or obsession Uh, I think that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one and as I say killer killer creative team variant covers by Jim Lee another image connect there Scott Williams
0: and Alex Sinclair yeah, I mean, this One Bad Day line is off to an absolute rocket of a start. I mean, my, my reading is a little behind, as I've you know said to a few people, obviously welcoming you know Alfie to the world and so forth. I, I joked on Twitter with a creator that I was five weeks behind, which coincided with five-week-old baby. But I made sure to pick out Batman, One Bad Day, The Riddler out from the pile and read it, one sitting, 64 pages, no ads, links to the killing joke, Phenomenal piece of work. The Riddler has never... I think the Riddler is just enjoying this renaissance at the moment, through the Batman movie, through the Riddler in this one, you've got the Paul Dano um, Riddler series coming up soon as well, so it's good to see the Riddler taken more seriously, but those One More Day ones, as you found out, Keith, with thinking you could pick and choose... You can't, just the, the talent involved is so impressive that you just know you're going to jump on them. So uh yeah, as Keith says, that's Mr. Freeze is going to be the one shot out in November. Now again, we have said the guys in store, you can either, you know, say you want all the One More Day titles or you can pick and choose. Just either way, whatever suits, just uh, just let us know. But uh, speaking of superstar creators and someone who seems to be doing more and more DC stuff at the moment, uh this will be... A little corner of the DC universe, I think, spearheaded by Jeff Johns. Now, Jeff Johns is DC royalty at this point. Uh, you know, you can look at other sides of stories when it comes to live action stuff and blah blah blah. We're not in here to talk about that. We're just talking about the comic side of things. And he is spearheading out of out of the back of uh, Flashpoint Beyond, which will finish by November. Uh, A return to some great nostalgic times uh, at DC Comics. There's going to be a one-shot launched in November called The New Golden Age. Now, written by Jeff Johns, it's going to be an anthology-based 48-page one-shot with a few different artists on there, including Steve Liber, Jerry Ordway, Mikel Yannon, for example. So this one-shot is essentially going to set up his little corner of the DC Universe. So... From the Justice Society of America to the Legion of Superheroes, the new golden age will unlock DC's epic and secret-ridden history of heroism, launching a new group of titles set firmly in the DC universe. From the 1940s to the 3040s, heroes take on the great evils of their time. But in the aftermath of Flashpoint Beyond, those heroes and villains will have their lives turned upside down. DC's future and its past will never be the same again. But how are the mime and marionette connected to this? Doomsday Clock. Nice. Nice. It's only taken about four years. Uh, why are Rip Hunter and the Time Masters the most unlikable uh, heroes in the DC universe? And who or what is nostalgia? Don't miss the start of the strangest mystery to have ever plagued the DC universe. So you'll have that one shot setting up what they're wanting to do. And then we jump head first into the first title, which I know will make so many of our customers happy. And that's a return of the JSA, Justice Society of America. So again, powerhouse team at work here. Jeff Johns writing Michael Yannon on art. So, the JSA returns, I mean, it's just looking absolutely glorious. Perfect Golden Age type stuff from DC. JSA returns in this monthly series by writer Jeff Johns and artist Mikael Janin with Justice Society of America, The New Golden Age Part 1. The world's first and greatest superheroes return, or do they? A long-lost hero from the JSA crashes into our era with a grave warning, but it's too late. A mysterious and malevolent enemy has invaded the entire history of the JSA and an all-new team must come together to defeat it. But what deadly secret does this messenger from beyond keep? Where are they from and why is this all happening now? Only the Time Masters know. So this looks like it's going to be an ongoing for Justice Society and it comes at a good time I think. You know, Obviously Justice League has finished within the DC Universe at the moment. There's definitely a little gap there for a team based book that's not just Justice League. So I'm really looking forward to that and again just ushering in that sort of new era of DC a little bit as well. But we go from something I'm looking forward to with the corner of the DC universe to something Keith is very much looking forward to as a corner in the DC universe. And um, what pray tell is that? Well,
1: uh, uh, let me start with a little, a little primer. Um, Wildcats was uh, a team that first launched in 1992. Uh, and they, they first appeared in the first issue of their eponymous comic book, which was Wildcats. And that's Wild C A T S, uh, which stood for covert action teams. It was published by Image. It was the book of Image's finding partner Jim Lee. Uh, it was you know whenever the, whenever all of the creators came in, they came in with their own books, and this was this was his. Uh, you know Rob Rob Liefeld's equivalent, I guess, was Youngblood. You know all and you know you had Savage Dragon by Eric Larson and all of that sort of stuff. So this was this was his first work in the newly launched company and his first creator creator-owned project. They were it was the starting point of a a whole interconnected universe which being became the founding foundation of wildstorm which was his own studio and uh you know it was it was launched at that time when everything was spectator fueled and everything was booming and it was hugely hugely popular it ran for 50 issues in addition to to jim lee it featured uh chris claremont james robinson alan Moore, um and Eventually, it expanded into other media. You know, there was animated stuff and and so forth. Six years later, in 1998, all the concepts and characters of Wildcats were sold to DC as part of the acquisition of Wildstorm, which set Jim Lee up in that company. And there was a new incarnation of the team launched that ran for 28 issues. There was a third, fourth, and finally fifth series. The fifth was in 2008, uh, which was sort of an ending. But more recently... uh, matthew rosenberg uh picked up uh wildcats and grifter in uh batman urban legends wasn't it it was urban Close, legends yeah. then
0: grifter made his way into the main bat title for he certainly year did too. yeah he certainly did so
1: what we have is a, is what looks like a new as you say corner of the dc universe uh led by by matthew rosenberg and that's kicking off with wildcats number one uh it's an ongoing Uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg and art and cover by Stephen Segovia. There's variant covers by Jim Lee, uh, by Stanley Archer, and by Ben Oliver. Uh, And it says, spinning from the pages of Batman comes a sense-shattering new series. The Halo Corporation, uh, which was uh, originated in the original Wildcats, has gathered a motley crew of operatives led by Cole, Grifter, Cash, who are going to make the world a better place no matter who they have to kill. Working in the shadows of the DC universe, this new covert team has been tasked with gathering an elite group of scientists for the first phase of their plan, but the cat's mysterious leader, Void, might have other plans. Uh, looks great. We, on the front cover, we have Grifter, we have Voodoo, we have Spartan, uh, and a variety of other uh, original uh, uh, and, and, uh, and legacy characters. So really excited for this. Um, that, you know, the, the, the seeds that were laid in, in, uh, by Rosenberg over the past few years, uh, I really hope they pay off. It looks very different from the, the original Wildcats mission, which was, you know, the premise of that was a centuries long war between aliens called the cherubim and uh, and demonites. And it was a, a whole thing. So this looks like it's very much taken the covert uh, side of it. Uh, joining uh, Wildcats is Waller versus Wildstorm by Spencer Ackerman and uh, Evan Narcisse, uh, art by Eric uh, Battle. Uh, it's... Uh, 32 pages, one of four. It's a Prestige Plus. Uh, silly size, right?
0: I was wondering when you would notice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, in the early 1980s, as the Cold War stubbornly refused to thaw, a new battle heats up for the soul of the intelligence agency, Checkmate, as the agency's superheroic public face, Jackson King, aka the Arbor Battalion, former leader of Stormwatch and the symbol of American might, has long suspected that Adeline Kane is up to the dirty, to dirty tricks overseas, engineering horrors that betray everything he believes about service to one's country. But King doesn't know that Kane has a clever new ally, an ambitious young woman named Amanda Waller. She has her own ideas about how metahumans can serve the country, and honor, dignity, and long lives don't factor into them. National Security Reporter Spencer Ackerman, uh, "The Deadly Beast: Reign of Terror." Uh, Comics video game writer Evan Narcisse, uh, Spider-Man Malzabralis and Gotham Knights, and veteran artist Eric Battle from Aquaman and Cobalt celebrate Wildstorm's legacy of espionage, flavoured superhero morality plays, pitting Stormwatch against the deadliest people of the DCU, including Deathstroke himself. And that is not all. We also have the Wildstorm 30th anniversary special, written by Matthew Rosenberg, Brandon Chow, J. Scott Campbell, Brett Booth, Ed Brisson and others. Art by Jim Lee, J. Scott Campbell, Brian Hitch, Brett Booth and others with a cover by Jim Lee. 96 pages, prestige, one shot. In 1992, Jim Lee changed the course of comics history with the founding of Wildstorm Productions, which revolutionised the business and launched the careers of so many top creators. To this day, 30 years years later, the impact of the imprint, its characters and its creators is still felt. In honour of this legacy comes a 100-page giant says 96 pages there you go that pays homage to the past and looks forward to the future part of this mammoth special will be reprinting for the first time in periodical format uh, short stories from the acclaimed wildstorm uh, a celebration of 25 years hardcover including stories by jim lee j scott campbell brett booth dustin Union, and more plus new stories featuring wildstorm characters in the dc core line charting their future in the dc universe uh, lovely uh, grifter and, uh, and Voodoo. Uh, Jim Lee cover there um so yeah Wildstorm and Wildcats are back in full
0: effect I mean is this going to be the kind of title in the kind of corner of the DC universe that even can convince you to buy Silly Size
1: well I mean it wouldn't be the first time I'll I mean we know that I mean I'm not <laughs> there's, a always exceptions. there's always you know? exceptions yeah absolutely I mean you can't get too tied up in your own rules uh yeah. you know so <laughs> I'm currently on Aquaman Andromeda um and uh you know that was worth buying because uh you know the, of the creators on that so so yeah i would say i'll probably I'll probably grab
0: that as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, Wildcats is not something I have an awful lot of experience with, but, you know, I love what Matthew Rosenberg's doing in the DC Universe at the moment, doing the DC versus Vampire stuff with Tinian, doing Task Force Z, which I keep banging on about is the most <laughs> underrated title in DC uh, in DC releases at the moment. So uh, and, I'll um, definitely be checking it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I must, uh, I must, uh, I'd love to find a way for you to reboost first original, that original run, that original 50 issue run of. Of wildcats, it really was really was good stuff. Very nineties, like very nineties. Yeah, but uh, that's not a bad thing. But let's. Swing back to more
0: traditional corners of the DC Universe. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we're we're swinging back, of course. We've, we've spoken Batman. We've spoken new corners. We have to speak Superman next as well. So there's going to be a one-shot coming soon, uh, which is Superman Kal-El Returns Special number one. So for those of you who don't know with Superman, Superman's been off-world uh, in the pages of Action Comics. That has led to his son, Jonathan Kent, uh, who has been... Protecting Earth in Superman, son of Kal El, but I believe Warworld is coming to a close, and Clark's going to make his way back to Earth. And it looks like this is going to be a one shot showing all of him, all of his reacquaintances, uh, coming up. So with this one, Kal El has returned from his long sojourn to Warworld. But what ramifications does this hold for the broader DC universe? In this special issue, we'll spotlight Kal El's reunion with the Dark Knight, Jimmy Olsen, the Justice League, and Lex Luthor. Plus, never before seen revealed or never before revealed look at the moments leading to Superman's abduction by Pariah and Dark Crisis. So, a little tie into that as well. The march towards Action Comics 1050 continues. That sounds like it's going to be a stupidly big size, random anniversary issue. Uh, Continues in this essential special volume. So, I think what this will prove to be is definitely a jumping on point if you're looking for Superman. Now, I haven't been reading action comics. I hear nothing but great stuff about that war world story. So I kind of wish I had jumped on it. I'll I'll definitely pick it up in hardcover trade when it comes out. But this looks to be a jumping on point for the big blue Boy Scouts. So I think I'll be jumping uh, on that myself.
1: That run, that Philip Kennedy Johnson run, is phenomenal, Alan. Uh, But I am really looking forward to most... We see uh, pictured, and I think that tra- is Travis Murr's cover mm-hmm. uh, of the, the, the of uh, John and Callie all being reunited, father and son. Yeah, the reunion That'll of be, father
0: and son definitely will be a big, big element here.
1: Uh, now there is a struggle here because that Travis Murr cover is uh, is lovely, but the Dan Mora cover of Superman flying above the Earth uh, is also totally beautiful. So uh, we have we have
0: a problem. The struggle is real when it comes to varying covers, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, that's part of it. That's a Dark Crisis tie in now. I'm not going to spotlight much from Dark Crisis here. There are some one shots and so forth. Um, The only reason I don't want to highlight them too much is because they're going to give away spoilers for later on in the Dark Crisis uh, storyline. So, Dark Crisis itself, which is now, of course, called Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, reaches number six, which is the second last issue. But you've got like Dark Crisis, the Dark Army here. You've got. Dark Crisis Worlds Without a Justice League Batman, number one. You've got Dark Crisis Warzone, number one. So there's plenty of tie-ins and stuff, but again, we're only at issue three. So I'm a little loath to look at some of the, the story details here. Because we don't give too much away for ourselves, you know. But uh, one thing I wanted to sort of showcase a little bit of was uh, there's a lot of facsimiles this month. But we had a slight disagreement as to whether this one is a facsimile or brand new.
1: And uh, I don't, I don't believe it is because it's Superman seventy five special edition, not facsimile edition. Uh, of course, this was the classic written by Dan Jurgens, uh, uh, art by Dan Juergens, Brett, Brett Breeding cover. Uh, it was the nineteen ninety two Superman and Doomsday going toe to toe in Metropolis and the fall of the Man of Steel. The uh, the death of Superman, you know, was a shock, shock to the world, it changed the DC universe. And I guess uh, if you weren't about at that time, uh, now's your chance to to pick up a, a piece of comic book history in a special edition. And as far as I know, there's a couple of different editions of this, isn't that right? Yeah, there's I mean,
0: they didn't solicit it in here, but there is going to be sort of similar to when the death of Superman was around. There was polybagged versions that came with, you know, funeral posters and came with armbands, and they really went uh, all in on it, to say the least. But they only solicited this one here, but there will be other ones available. So certainly keep an eye on the store. You know, we obviously highlight the releases every week through social media and, and so forth. So you can keep an eye out for that. But uh, yeah, but as I say, facsimiles essentially are, are perfect reprints of older issues. You know, it gives it gives people a chance to jump into some of those classic issues without having to spend silly money on them. And you know. Recently, we've had Detective Comics number 27, first appearance of Batman, come out in facsimile form. We've got Action Comics number one coming out soon. Marvel have been doing it as well. You know, we had Amazing Fantasy 15 recently. We had the Amazing Spider-Man Annual, uh, introduction of the Sinister Six thrown in there as well. But there are a couple this month as well. You've got the Wonder Woman 204 facsimile. Uh, I must admit I'm not up on my Wonder Woman history so I'm just going to have to read this one out after the shocking loss of her mentor Diana Prince returns to Paradise Island only to be met with more conflict an armoured challenger demands the right to fight our hero for the title of Wonder Woman introducing Nubia so first appearance of Nubia just in time for the character's 50th anniversary DC Comics proudly presents the character's first appearance Now, the other two I was going to highlight, I do know a little more about. Uh, Detective Comics number 38, the introduction of Robin, the Boy Wonder, to uh, the Batman canon. So, that is reprinted here. And then we also have the Brave and the Bold number 28, which was essentially the very first time the Justice League of America teamed up. So, that was Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, Martian Manhunter, and Green Lantern as well. So, yeah, those facsimiles, they nearly always come in at, you know, four or five dollars. They're not too expensive. But again, in comparison to the the original titles themselves, you'll just pay fortunes for them, to say the least. A so. um,
1: couple of annuals worth highlighting as well, Alan, uh, in November. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind me taking the liberty. Absolutely. Um, we've got the Nightwing uh, 2022. That's what year it is now, isn't it? Yes. Uh, annual uh, written by uh, Tom Taylor, uh, art by uh, Eduardo Pansica and Julio Ferreira. Uh, Look, very, very key. This looks very, very key to the Nightwing series. Uh, 48 pages, it says, who is heartless? Find out who the villain behind the platinum mask and why he only collects the hearts of some victims and not others, and why he has no heart himself. Then, Bitewing, year one, follow Hayley in her first year with her humans, Nightwing and Batgirl, to see how she takes a bite out of crime in her
0: first year of becoming Bitewing. Uh, so that'll be uh, that'll be fairly that, key. That's obviously why you're saying it's key because of this Bitewing adventure. Well obviously, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd argue There's that very... any Tom Taylor Nightwing issue is essential. <laughs> fair, fair.
1: <laughs> uh we've got uh Ram V written Detective Comics uh, uh, 2022 annual, uh art by Christopher Mitten. Um looks like it's following the uh the sort of themes but uh that, that Ram V has set down in Detective Comics so far. It says as as a werewolf, Gale has lived through many generations and so has visited Gotham land before hundreds of years ago. Take a trip back to 1700s Renaissance Gotham with Gail and Arkham land uh, to help remember with him. To help remember with him exactly where he buried something important, he now has to dig back up. And in a tryst of faith, fate, a dark night in town also seems to be looking for something from out of time. His way back home to the present. Uh, there's a very cool, uh, very cool cover there. Uh, by uh, Evan Keggle uh, of a, a 1700s dressed uh, Batman. So it looks, uh, looks very good.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ram's been knocking Detective out of the park only two issues deep, but already giving it his own veritable stamp, as you would expect as well. So, uh, yeah, just a couple to finish off with in the DC book before we jump into that Mammoth Marvel book. Uh, first of all, you've got the uh, Christmas Anthology book coming out, which has the great title of DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Uh, yeah. So, DC will always do this. They do anthologies. They'll do them at Christmas. Sorry to say that word, Keith. Uh, they do it at Halloween. They do it in the summer. They do it for Valentine's Day. So with this one, it has uh, talent involved such as John Lehman, Max Bemis, Kevin Scott, Dustin Wayne, Christopher Mitten, again, obviously uh, drawn Detective Comics Annual as well. So, you know, who made it to the nice list? Hawkman, Black Canary. Is that animal man on the naughty list? And how did Grifter <laughs> find himself in the targeting sites of those pesky reindeer? Get one for you and an extra for a loved one stocking. You'll be glad you did. What a terrible pun. Uh in this holiday song celebration. So that'll be a wee one shot. And then I mentioned in the intro about cancelling absolute orders and uh, ordering an omnibus. Now I'm a massive fan of absolute I've I, I get the mick taken out of me a little bit in store because I say uh, you know, once you buy an absolute, you'll never need another edition of something. But They're doing an Absolute for Dark Knight's Metals. This was Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's massive event for DC Comics a few years ago. Now, the Absolute only has issues one to six in it, plus a couple of random ones. It doesn't even have the Forge and the casting, which to me were the two lay-in issues to it. It's like those six issues, Batman, The Wild Hunt, Hawkman Lost, and Batman Found, I think it was. No, Batman Lost, Hawkman Found. But cancel that order and... Direct your money elsewhere to the Dark Knights Metal Omnibus because this has everything. This is Dark Days The Forge, Dark Days The Casting, Batman The Red Death, The Devastator, The Merciless, The Murder Machine, The Drowned, The Dawnbreaker, The Batman Who Laughs, This is Batman Lost, Hawkman Found, Dark Knights Rising The Wild Hunt, Nightwing 29, Flash 33, Hal Jordan The Green Lantern Corps 32. Green Arrow 32, Suicide Squad, Teen Titans 12, Justice League issues, and Dark Knight Metal 1 to 6. So uh, this is what you want if you want to read Metal. This is everything on it. 27 issues in total. And again, it comes in at around the same price as the Absolute. I think it works out uh, £15 more expensive, but you're getting about four times the content. So cancel those Absolute orders, something I would not say very often. Get on to the Dark Knight Metal Omnibus if you want to enjoy that story. You know, Death Metal maybe lost a run of itself here and there a little bit with its ambition, but I thought who Dark said Knight, that? I, I mean, who would ever say that? But <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal to me, I thought was was a pretty close to perfect event. I thought the art was on point. The tie-ins weren't too many all the one shots, uh, depicting all the dark Knight Batman were well executed. The, the tie in stories were great. Uh, so yeah, metal for me is one of DC's best events in years. So highly, that, highly recommend that. Uh, is that a
1: hardcover or
0: soft cover? So omnibus is a traditional style of an omnibus. Yeah, uh, okay, so, you know, cool. sort of hard covers, you know, large binding, that sort of style. But, uh, and there's also going to be a new direct market variant cover for it done by Greg Capullo. So when it comes to direct market covers, just in case people don't know, uh, direct market means comic shops. So you won't be able to order direct market covers in on Amazon or pick them up in HMV or Waterstones. They're for comic stores only. Uh, so the the main cover there that I sort of showed off, that's just the, the traditional cover. But Greg Capullo is doing a new direct market one as well. So... But yeah, just a couple of trades to highlight and then we're done with DC.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we latecomer to our, to our, to our script anyway. Uh, I just noticed it there and that's the uh, the Rorschach trade uh, written by Tom King, uh, art and cover by Jorge Fornes was one of my favourite Tom King books. Well, still one of my favourite Tom King books, but uh, was certainly well up there until Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow came along. Uh, this is 312 pages. Um, it is actually an early solicit. I don't think this is going on sale until... Uh, until December, but uh, it's advertised right here, so that's why we're talking about it. 35 years after Rosamandius dropped a giant squid in New York City, killing thousands and destroying the public's trust in heroes once and for all, Rorschach reappears as an assassin trying to kill a candidate running against President Robert Redford. Who is the man behind the mask and what's his goal? It's up to one detective to uncover the identity of this would-be killer, and it will take him into a web of conspiracies involving alien invasions, disgraced do-gooders, mystic visions, and yes, comic books. That is the entire rorschach miniseries uh, issues 1 to 12 and it absolutely was a trip
0: <laughs> if, uh, if you recall alan oh big time rorschach was fantastic you know it was, yeah. it was consistent as gravity with its releases the art was awesome the art jorge Fornes, puts me in mind of david mazichelli so it's that sort of batman year one type style uh it was a series that started a little bit slowly but got better with every single issue as the seed started to to be sown it was yeah i mean this is the the trade paperback solicitation it is available in hardcover at the moment uh but this is one of those ones dc did that way around hardcover first and then trade second
1: yeah and this uh the next one i'm gonna i'm gonna flip around a wee bit because i've got two volumes uh of uh i guess collected collected edition Uh, The first one is Nightwing, Volume 1, Leaping into the Light, by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. It's 160 pages, it is soft cover, and Nightwing is back, and his drive to keep Bloodhaven safe has never been stronger. But his adoptive city has elected a new mayor with the last name of Zuko. Uh, when Nightwing enlists Batgirls help in investigating the politician. Bearing the same name as the man who murdered his parents, she unearths details that will shock and fundamentally change the hero. Dick Grayson's big heart has protected those persecuted by bullies in his youth, combated evil alongside... Batman as Robin and pledged his newly inherited wealth to enriching Bloodhaven as Nightwing. His kindness and generosity have always guided his life, but now a new villain stalks the back alleys, removing the hearts of the city's most vulnerable. Who is the terrifying new menace named Heartless? Seems we'll be finding out in, the, in this year's the annual. The
0: timing and is good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and will he be able to resist out the hearts, the biggest hearts in all of Bloodhaven. This collects the fantastic uh, Nightwing seventy eight to eighty three. That's leaping into the light, and then we have a hardcover, one hundred and sixty page, also by Tom Taylor Bruno Redondo. That's volume two. Get Grace, and now I know that might not sit right with a lot of people. A hardcover and a soft cover. Eventually, this will come out in soft cover. But I mean, whenever it's out, you just couldn't resist it. um and This second volume, after millionaire Dick Grayson announces to Bloodhaven his plans to give all his money away to create the Alfred Pennyworth Foundation and help unhoused children on the streets, Blockbuster feels the city's power slipping from his hands and places a target on Dick Grayson's head. And through gritted teeth, he orders his assassins to get Grayson. Also in this volume is the fan favourite story from Nightwing 87, presented as one continuously connected 22-page image, which was nominated for the 2022 Eisner for best single issue. Uh Get Grayson collects uh Nightwing 87, 89, 87, 289, uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El number nine and Nightwing 90 to 91. So a lot of top quality comic
0: goodness there. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, as, as Keith says, I mean, obviously soft cover for volume one there, hard cover for volume two. Volume one again is available already as a hard cover. So obviously if you've already picked that up, then, you know, you'd go on to the hardcover for Nightwing too, because otherwise you're just a crazy person because it has the line up perfectly. But if you're coming <laughs> new to Nightwing, then the soft cover is it's the slightly cheaper option, certainly. But this this is a book that just does not disappoint. You know, if if this is not your first time listening to us, you know how much we talk about Nightwing and how much it kills me that Batman is not DC's best book, but unfortunately his uh his apprentice, or has he surpassed him? Who knows? Uh currently carries the best DC book around at the moment, I would say. So those trades are essential if you've missed out on the uh, on the single issues. And then just one last one just to chat about with regards to DC, and that's another black label. So premium plus size hardcover. What we do find with the, the premium plus stuff, you know, I know Keith and I joke back and forth about it, but we find it sells really well in graphic novel form. For the simple reason that it sits nice on the bookshelf versus it won't fit in my comic box. Uh So this is one called Suicide Squad Blaze. This was uh this this right up your alley, Keith. Written by Cy Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. That's your Hellblazer team right there. Short-lived. Rest in peace. Great Hellblazer run. Uh, but yeah, this was a, a three-issue mini series. Uh, there were oversized issues, but uh, yeah, when five ordinary convicts are given incredible powers by the top-secret Blaze Program, it falls to Harley Quinn, Peacemaker, Captain Boomerang, King Shark to keep them on mission as they hunt down a brutal cannibal with all the powers of Superman. But no one on Earth is prepared for the cosmic secret that hides inside the cannibal, and which now hides inside the squad too. So yeah, it was three issues in total. This was great. This was. Very much on tone with the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Very much on tone with the likes of the Peacemaker TV show. And just a really cool dark series. And again, that creative team involved. It's really not a surprise that it was as good as it was. So, yeah. So that is the DC book pretty much covered. We'll jump away from DC and jump straight on to that Marvel book. Just look at that Alex Ross cover. Oh, I'm telling you.
1: But that's not where we're starting. That's not. Uh, although many things start with the cover, not this particular Marvel Preview podcast. Uh, we are getting straight in with uh, with absolute, uh, you know, Jason Aaron sort of heavy metal power uh, into uh, Avengers Assemble Alpha number one, which is a fifty six page one shot by Jason Aaron and Brian Hitch. Wraparound cover by Brian Hitch looks fantastic. Uh, and some great uh, some great looking variant covers there by J. Scott Campbell, Salvador LaRocca, Mark Brooks. This is uniting the Avengers, the Avengers forever, and Avengers of 1 million BC in an epic saga that forms the capstone to Jason Aaron's era on Avengers. Whew, it had to come to an end eventually, didn't it? Um, it? Says from throughout time and the far corners of the multiverse. The mighty heroes of all the Earths are assembling as never before for a battle beyond all imagining. Uh, A war that will take us from the prehistoric beginnings of an Earth under assault by the greatest villains who ever lived to the watchtower that stands at the dark heart of the all and the always, where an army of unprecedented evil now rises. The biggest Avengers saga in Marvel history begins now. And I guess runs through uh, all of the books, Avengers Forever. Uh, where we're seeing the rise of Robbie Rays as the All Rider, uh, and uh, the the Central Avengers title, uh, which Jason Aaron will apparently be leaving very very soon. I wonder will will he will he also be finishing off? Will he be concluding uh, Avengers Forever as well? This looks uh, this looks absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I had no idea until until I read this that uh, that Jason Aaron was
0: was on the way out. But again, I say it did have to happen. It'd have to happen eventually didn't it i mean will that take just Aaron off all marvel books thanks obviously he finished up the conan stuff and king conan uh recently is there any books that he's actually on uh top of my head i can't i can't remember but uh obviously, i'm sure it will i'm sure it will be long sure i would imagine not long. but as keith says as well something tells me that avengers forever number 11 will be a, a spec hunter's dream uh as it introduces as you say the all rider so one to keep out mm-hmm. a few spec merchants out there
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely there's some
1: interesting stuff happening over in the spider corner of uh of the uh of the marvel book uh with uh, amazing spider-man 14 by zeb Wells, michael dowling and kyle uh Hotz with a variant with a cover by john Romita jr see i see Romita is sort of moving the covers here rather than and uh, an internal art. Which I'm we have dark, about. I'm not happy. About no, not happy at, not happy at all. Batman but we have is a...
0: born to draw Spider Man.
1: Yep, yeah, agreed. But he's, he's hard to keep around. <laughs> um, we have a prelude for Dark Web, which seems to be crossing into uh, Venom and 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 maybe a few other things. It says we haven't seen Chasm since Amazing Spider Man nine four and the Free Comic Book Day issue, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been busy. Chasm was the character who Ben Riley became at the end of Spider-Man Beyond. And he did not look like a good character, especially whenever he was linking up with the Goblin Queen at the end of the free comic book day issue. Uh, Join us for the very special issue uh, featuring Spidey's most dangerous new villain, as well as the Goblin Queen and a brand new villain that you will not believe. Uh, There's a lovely, lovely cupboard there. We've got the uh, Mm -hmm. sort of dark, sort of electricity, sort of fonted dark web uh, brand on there and likewise we have it on the front cover of Venom number 13 by Al Ewing and Brian Hitch uh, noted as a dark web prelude. Forced to watch his son die from across the time stream, Eddie Brock finds himself surrounded by enemies. Alone with no one to trust, an unexpected ally lends a hand she's setting the stage for the most epic crossover of the year so it looks like this is a crossover between um, between Venom and, uh, and Spider-Man but also pulled in here is Gold Goblin, number one of five, sounds a bit odd, but definitely spins out, I think, of the stuff that's happening in Amazing Spider Man at the minute. And Christopher Cantwell is in the title, a fantastic writer who is currently finishing off his amazing run on Iron Man uh, with Lan Medina on art. Says it's not easy being gold. Uh, Norman Osborne's sins may have been cleansed, as in the, that was in the Sin Eater storyline, but his memories weren't, and he's done plenty of horrific things to remember. Norman's worked hard to avoid all things Goblin and to stay on the straight and narrow. Consequences and Amazing Spider-Man pushed him to try superheroing, and he liked it. And when the media dub him the Gold Goblin, he has to start to wonder, can he ever get away from the Goblin inside? This is uh, a five-issue series, by the looks of it, and also has the the dark web imprint and a a beautiful cover there by Torrin Clark. Um, so plenty going on there. You're not convinced by Gold Goblin?
0: I I don't know. Just the design of it just almost seems to me like it's we're running out of ideas to introduce new characters, sort of thing. But I will certainly give it a chance. You know, I will be on the dark web stuff. I'm on Amazing Spider-Man. I'm on Venom, so I may as well give the first issue of this a go, yes. certainly, and see how it you, ties in. As you always
1: say, follow follow creators rather than rather than characters.
0: I mean, I don't really read a lot of Christopher Canwell. I do He's like on the, I do like the Blue Ozark. Flame. Yeah, there's the Blue Flame, which is his indie book through Vault Comics. I do read that. Um, obviously, I don't read Iron Man. But as you said today, you can't wait for issue 25 that to come out just so you can hand it to me and go me read the <laughs> exactly. thing.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, moving on then, uh, on to, as you mentioned, the wonderful Alex Ross cover of, uh, of the Marvel book. Uh, we have the relaunch of Fantastic Four now uh, that Dan Slott has finished his fantastic run on it. Uh, the creators on this, which were teased by Marvel through the uh, it was a, like a like a, a, a compass uh, and uh, that's explained yeah. by the fact that Ryan North is the creator, which I think you guessed correctly. Wasn't
0: that right? Yeah, he was someone who was known mostly for Unbeatable Squirrel Girl was the first thing mm. I, re- I remembered him for, but it just seemed a bit on the nose. But yeah. Uh,
1: Ryan North is actually, actually sort of all over the place uh, at the minute uh, in this book in particular. will be coming up again and again. Uh, Canadian writer Uh, And a computer game programmer, uh, the author and creator of Dinosaur Comics, and wrote widely for Adventure Time, uh, as well, as you say, as the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. He's uh, a multiple Eisner and Harvey Award winner, and uh, has made the New York Times bestseller list. So uh, plenty going on there. I think he worked with Chip Zdarsky on Jughead. Uh, Uh, Wasn't that right?
0: Yes, on Jughead. I think you're right, yeah.
1: And he was on Humans. And Humans, for a while, has done some Star Trek stuff as well, I think. But... That is, uh, that's an aside um, because he's now on Fantastic Four, uh, Marvel's first family. Uh, art is by Iban Coelho, uh, one of uh, the, the Stormbreakers, Marvel Stormbreakers artist, isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, some uh, variant covers, J. Scott Campbell is everywhere this month. <laughs> uh, a variant cover by Frank Miller, Arthur Adams, uh, Phil Noto, Alex Ross, uh, all sorts of stuff there. And it's something Subtitled Whatever Happened to the Fantastic Four It's the start of a new era, era for the Fantastic Four and they're already in a ton of trouble. Something has gone terribly wrong in New York and The Thing and Alicia are travelling across America to escape it. But when they stop in a small town for the night and wake up in the morning, before they arrived, they find themselves caught in a time loop that's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. That's been going on since before they were born. 40-page kickoff and uh, and some, some lovely lovely covers there so uh you're gonna get on fantastic four yes I, North I, here? I really
0: like the look of the the preview art as well it's just black and white and inks but it looks really clean uh really nice art for that so i mean yeah i i don't know why i didn't get on with the Dan stuff fantastic Four. run. i read bits and pieces here and there and i thought he would be the perfect guy to get me into fantastic four given his uh fantastic uh pun intended uh silver mm. surfer run but it just never clicked with me at the start but maybe i need to go back and give it another go i did read reckoning more which i enjoyed in fairness but it felt a little like cheating that i read the end of it but not everything up to it if that makes sense
1: yeah absolutely and, and just to just to just to knock off this corner of the of the universe uh, i guess the hero's corner we have the the tie-up of uh a x e judgment day with uh with an omega issue by the series creator the mini series creator kieran Gillen. Uh, covered by art by uh, Guy Villanova and covered by Pasquale Ferry, as well as a variant cover by Alan Davis and Peach Momoko. And this is the fallout. This is one of these Omega issues, Fallout of Judgment Day. After events, we make promises. Nothing will ever be the same again, don't they always? Uh, for the Eternals, it's a lie. It's always the same and always will be. However, in the wake of Judgment Day, they discover what is truly eternal. Uh, it is a one shot, and Kieran Gillen playing with the
0: classic, Nothing Will Ever Be the Same Again. Um, Cool. I'm pretty sure we see that in the Marvel book at least once a month. (laughs) Nothing will ever be the same or people will be forever changed or, you know, they they know how to sort of make it sound like Stanley without it being Stanley, which is kind of fun. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we're going to move on to a couple of things now that, you know, I'm not too sure how my co-host feels about. Well, actually, that's a lie. I know exactly how he feels about it. I but, make it a secret. <laughs> he makes it a secret indeed. But this month, uh, everyone's favourite, well, most people's favourite, Merc with a Mouth, is back with a new ongoing series. And... You know, we, we get asked a lot in the story, and obviously Deadpool has had this surge in popularity in the last five or six years due to the success of the movies through Ryan Reynolds and, and so on and so forth. So there's a brand new series kicking off, brand new number one this month, written by Alyssa Wong, who's predominantly known for Dr. Aphra in the Star Wars universe, and Iron Fist as well. And it's drawn by Martin Kokolo, who worked on some of the Banner of War stuff, the Thor-Hulk crossover. So, yeah, brand new number one. You've got, you know, variant covers there by Rob Liefeld, if you don't like to look at nice art. Uh, David Nakayama, (laughs) Mike Hawthorne, (laughs) Jim (laughs) Chang. I'm being facetious, what can I say? Uh, But anyway, yeah, so Marvel's top merc is back in business. We all know Wade Wilson is one of the top mercenary assassins in the Marvel Universe, even if he is simultaneously the most annoying one. See, they're aiming for you here, Keith. But he's pushing to make that recognition official as he additions for the elite group known as the, Atel- the Atelier. Uh, now he has 48 hours to kill one of the world's most famous supervillains. Only problem? He's being kidnapped, and something strange is growing inside him. Things are going to get gross as writer Alyssa Wong and artist Martin Cocolo take out their pent-up aggression on everyone's pizza face, jabber mouth, misguided, hate to love, love to hate, fave, Deadpool. Come on, that, that solicitation is written for you.
1: Yeah, fair, but uh, not
0: happening, sorry. <laughs> I'd mentioned in the DC book as well about facsimiles, and Marvel are in on the act this month as well, so just talking about Deadpool there, so they are doing a facsimile for New Mutants 98, of course. Very famously, Deadpool's first appearance, you know, it also introduces Gideon, who no one remembers. Uh, and Oh, uh, no, no, I remember Gideon, the, the green haired external. So you remember New Mutants 98 more for Gideon than Deadpool. I don't know, no, I remember Deadpool too. Just, I mean, at that time, Deadpool was interesting. It, it makes me laugh. I said this to Keith in the shop today. It makes me laugh that there are all these big Deadpool fans out there who would love to own a New Mutants 98, that first appearance issue. And Keith owns that issue, but he has it because he was reading New Mutants at the time, not because he searched out this issue. So he has this lovely issue that's worth hundreds of pounds. He's just like, ugh, Deadpool. <laughs> But if you want to read that story and you want a perfect reproduction, perfect reprint for $4, then uh, New Mutants 98 is listed for November as well. But we come to my most anticipated Marvel uh, title this month, and it's not even a character that would be my most anticipated, but it's just, we speak all the time, follow creators. Trad Moore, I think, is one of the trippiest and best and most interesting artist working today and he he tends to do a lot of uh, marvel work at the moment was of course the artist on silver surfer black which was a great five issue mini series with donny Cates writing but tradmer is back for a brand new four issue mini series uh doctor strange fall sunrise so this is going to be a four issue mini as i say and he's both writing and drawing this so from the mind of tradmer Doctor Strange awakens alone in a distant world not his own. Lost of purpose and surrounded by danger, the wandering sorcerer must explore the land of blades and mystery to unravel arcane secrets and escape the deadly horrors that lie in wait. From the fantastical mind of Trad Mur comes a strange story like you've never seen. So it's a 40-page uh, issue, one to kick things off. You know, I'm really loving Marvel are doing this at the moment, starting to put the corner boxes up again in certain titles. Mm. It's something from Comics of Yesteryear I would love to see on all DC and Marvel Comics although Marvel tend to do it a little better than DC, I will admit. But uh, yeah, four-issue miniseries, as I say. Trad Moore's doing covers. There's some variants by Ron Lim. And another one of my favourite artists doing a variant cover, Daniel Warren Johnson as well. So that, to me, is my Marvel pick of this month.
1: Yep, absolutely. I mean, that is, that's right. As soon as I saw Silver Surfer Black and Trad Moore, I went, yep, there we go. That's uh, that's Alan's. So uh, so yeah, absolutely. Playing to play form there, sir. Very much so. Um we are venturing back to World Planet Hulk uh, with uh, Greg Pak uh, writing Planet Hulk Worldbreaker, number one of five, with art by Manuel Garcia. There's uh, a, a range of uh, variant covers there, and it's set a thousand years uh, from now on the planet Sakar. A young woman with green skin searches for the legendary green scar to help her brother. Uh, from a group of apocalyptic cult to help save her brother from a group of apocalyptic cultists but which hulk will she find and after all these years is he truly the Sakar son uh, who will save us all or the word breaker who will destroy us a shocking expansion and culmination of the mythos of Sakar and the heart of the hulks from planet hulk scribe greg pack and visionary devil's reign artist manuel garcia uh five issues 32 pages some lovely covers um yeah I'm I'm down for that. I loved uh, Planet Hulk whenever it first came out. Um, uh, just sticking with I guess returns uh, of of uh, series and teams. We have another five issue mini series uh, from uh, X Men Legend Chris Claremont and Salvador LaRoga, and a legend in his own right. And that is a return of Extreme X Men, as I say, for a five issue mini series uh some great variant covers and homage uh, covers but this was um like an early 2000s series if i recall called extreme x-men obviously x stream uh, with the, the x rather than the ex legendary X scribe chris claremont reunites with dynamic with artist dynamo salvador La Roca for an all-new story set just after the groundbreaking original run of extreme x-men a powerful psychic attack on kitty pride from her old enemy ogun uh, brings the extreme team back together for a high stakes mission. But what secret is Ogan hiding? And will even the combined might of Bishop, Sage, Gambit, Rogue, Rachel Summers, Storm, and Wolverine be enough to stop his insidious plan? I think it will. The excitement starts here with the kickoff of the arc that will have wide-reaching implications on some of your favourite X characters. And nothing will ever be... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, 32 pages. I am looking forward to this. It looks beautiful, if nothing else, because... Salvador Naroga.
0: And nothing will ever be that. You know, you know the rest. You know the rest. <laughs> yeah, nice. I mean, they're really enjoying going back to these sort of, you know, early continuities, bringing back classic writers and artists from yesteryear. And I think it's really, really respectful and really cool to let them tell stories in the sort of long continuities that they had, Because a lot of these ones that have been being done, it's the, these creators were working on these titles for years. You know, they didn't just come along and do like a six issue mini or a ten issue mini. They they wrote pretty defining runs, so it's it's great mm-hmm. to see them allowed to return to it, so to speak. Uh the next one up uh, there's Ran North once again. You know, we obviously mentioned them yeah. jumping on to Fantastic Four. This is a title I believe was solicited a little while ago as well, but uh is finally getting resolicited and mm. looks ready to come out in November.
1: It actually specifically says, Attention retailers, all previous orders have been cancelled. Please, place new orders.
0: <laughs> Which is the most annoying thing in the world for a comic <laughs> store. You've already made your order, you've paid for it, now they refund you and you've got the order to order it. Anyway. But yeah, Rand North's writing this. It's going to be a five-issue miniseries, Secret Invasion. You know, those words themselves should be familiar to uh, Marvel fans everywhere. The artist on this is Francesco Mobili. The Skrulls are back in a giant-sized issue kicking off an all-new five-part miniseries. When Maria Hill detects the merest hint of Skrulls, she acts quickly to put her defensive plans into action. And when Nick Fury is sent to investigate a scroll setting in hour, he finds the last thing he was expecting. Our pale blue dot is in their sights, and this time Earth's old defences won't work. Find out who you can really trust. The invasion begins now. The Marvel Universe? Well, no, it doesn't really say that. <laughs> I, so, just,
1: there's, uh, I do note there's a, there's a, a variant cover by, uh, by Giuseppe Camagoli. Well, uh, that, uh, that might be nice. Is this, do you think this is resolicited in line with the TV series? I think that that's fair. Due?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah. I think the TV show got slightly delayed, and therefore it would make sense to try and maximize that publicity with a, a corresponding series. So that that makes complete sense to me. We already had a little bit of a spider corner with Dark Web and so forth. But again, like DC with Batman, Marvel with Spider-Man. So a few other Spidey titles just to tell you about. One I wanted to showcase just because it's it's a great one for all readers. Uh, this one's called Peter Parker and Miles Morales, Spider-Man Double Trouble. So it's going to be a four-issue miniseries written by Mariko Tamaki, who did a great run recently in Detective Comics over at DC, uh, and Vita Ayala, and it's, the artist on it is Guru Hiru. And again, this is a four-issue mini. They're friends, heroes, and sidekicks. Peter has dragged Miles into Take Your Sidekick to Work Day. (laughs) Love the Miles Morales. (laughs) I'm interested in this already. And Miles is not amused. They're both Spider-Man after all. So when Peter makes a mistake that unleashes villainous shenanigans on New York City, it's up to Miles to save the day and prove who the true sidekick among the the Spider-Men is. Vita Ayala joins fan favourite team that brought you Spider-Man and Venom Double Trouble and Thor and Loki Double Trouble for a brand new adventure. So again, just sounds a lot of fun and it's it's always nice when there are titles that we can recommend to sort of under 12s, you know, 6 to 12 year olds, that kind of thing. Because I always say to people in the store, you know, kids 12 and over can read nearly anything. Certainly, anything Marvel aside from maybe Punisher and, you know, maybe to a degree Venom things like that, but uh, it's nice to have those stuff aimed at slightly younger readers as well. But they still have enough charm that they would appeal to us as well. Mm. Uh, but some other Spidey stuff, I believe. As yeah, well.
1: we're we're dipping, as you say, back into the Spidey side of the of the of the universe. I mention it just because. Uh, but we had mentioned Amazing Spider-Man number 14 earlier on with the dark web stuff. But uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 13, which does have art by John Romita Jr., is also the birth of the Golden Goblin. So first appearance there. Uh, don't tell the speculators. Pick it up yourself. <laughs> um, what else have we got in the uh, on the Spider side of things? Uh, there was uh, Spider-Man The Last Hunt, another five-issue miniseries by... Uh, by uh, established and, and legendary J.M. DeMatteis, uh, again writer, established writer, uh, and uh, art by Ider Uh the origins of Craven finally revealed. J.M. DeMatteis, uh, DeMatteis, sorry, continues uh, to spin new webs within the past. This time, partnered with uh, artist Ider Maceas, revealing secrets and answering mysteries Spider fans have been waiting for. Prepare to explore the depths of what made Craven. The hunter, the powerhouse villain he was. As Peter and Mary Jane prepare for new lives in Portland, a man from Craven's past stalks them. But who is this mystery man, and what does he want with Spider-Man? Find out when we return to the time period after Spider-Man: The Final Adventure, when Peter Parker was part of us, which was whenever Ben Riley had uh, taken over as, uh, as as Spider-Man. So that uh, that's me interested uh, right there um and what else have we got uh moving away from uh from the spider side of the universe uh just flicking a few pages on here i see we have the second issue of christopher cantwell's uh namor Conquered shores just uh just to mention it alan uh, i have a feeling you we, may
0: mention cantwell again i just have a possibly, feeling.
1: possibly possibly we have a one shot 40 pages uh by mark russell now mark russell um was, uh, he's uh, an American, American writer. Uh, he wrote Prez, he wrote The Flintstones, he wrote Exit Stage Left, which was the Snagglepuss one, uh, The Wonder Twins. Um, he's uh, He wrote Fantastic Four Life Story for Marvel, uh, along with uh, some stuff for, he wrote, uh, I think, Lone Ranger, the Devil's Rope for Dynamite, whenever Dynamite were doing good stuff. Um, but we have him on Blade Vampire Nation with uh, Miko Swain on art. I'm butchering, butchering some of these names, and I apologise. its uh, I don't know if it's linked with, with uh, Jason Aaron's sort of uh, ending on on uh, on Avengers, because this is where Blade ended up in Avengers, but it's a deep dive into Dracula's new kingdom as established in Avengers, starring Blade, the sheriff of Vampire Nation. An assassination threatens to unravel the fledging country and spread chaos throughout the world, but is getting rid of a nation full of bloodstuckers, really? Is all that bad an idea? Blade himself isn't too sure, as I say, It's a one shot, some great, uh, some great covers there. So uh, anything, anything with Blade in it. And I'm, I'm there, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that one you're on for as well, Alan.
0: Yeah, big time. That was one of the ones that made the cut for the board. So as I was saying earlier, there was so much Marvel content this month in so many ways I could have went, but, you know, even though it is only a one shot, it's just, you know, if you've got Blade back there again, I mean, I still maintain that Blade is one of the best movies based on a Marvel character. And, you know, well ahead of its time. I mean, if that Blade movie had to come out around the MCU kicking off, you would be seeing a lot more of Blade, I think, around the MCU in one way or another. But
1: if anyone disagrees with you, clearly those individuals are always trying to ice skate uphill.
0: They are. And you you know you should never do that. <laughs> Mother Father should never, you know, ice skate uphill. <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean one I wanted to highlight now, this I was tempted to put in the board, but I have to admit the title's that long. It it fell by the wayside. But This was another uh, one you got a slap on the wrist for, wasn't it? This is, this is. And again it's similar to Bleed in that anytime this character is forefront of a comic you know you want to read it, and that is The Winter Soldier. So this is a Captain America and The Winter Soldier special. So it's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig, who, of course, always are writing partners. They're working on Captain America at the moment with uh, Sentinel of Liberty, which is the Steve Rogers-based title. Artist on this is Kev Walker. Lovely cover there again. Salvador La Roca popping up an awful lot in Marvel this month as well. So for this one, this is going to be a 40-page one-shot so power money machine love revolution the 20th century progressed at a more rapid pace than in any other in the other in history but not without help from the shadows kev walker joined central of liberty writers colin kelly and jackson lansing to explore the origins of captain america's newest foe and what the outer circles next play means for the status of the winter soldier so yeah same again winter soldier is just not in enough comics for my liking so when he pops up that's always going to be going straight onto the old old pull list but take it away. Let's hear your long soliloquy about the next title. I can't. Well, I mean, you're 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 over-introducing
1: it here, Alan. I think <laughs> you're doing it deliberately, but it's Iron Man twenty-five, uh, which is Legacy Issue six hundred and fifty, and most importantly, it is Christopher Cantwell's finish, uh, the conclusion of his his brilliant run uh, on the uh, on the book. He's joined by Kurt Busiek and Maruella Ayodeli, uh, uh, Angel Unzuera, who is the 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 illustrator on the, on his run, uh, Benjamin Dewey and Doton Akande. We've got a cover by Alex Ross. We've got some variant covers. It's an oversized celebration of the Golden Avengers 650th issue. It's Iron Man Day in New York City, but not everyone is ready to celebrate the ongoing legacy of Tony Stark. Not Alan, but least of all himself. Uh, but a sudden crisis will once again test Tony's heroism and challenge his commitment to the role he has assumed for himself. Must there be an Iron Man? Christopher Cantwell concludes his thought-provoking and powerful run. You hear those words, Alan? Thought-provoking and powerful, As writer, as illustrated by Angela Zoetta. Plus, uh, Marewa Ayodele and Doton Akande tell a tale of Iron Man's quest to locate Thor amid the frozen westlands of Niflheim. Kurt Busiek and Ben Dewey pair up to provide an all-new vintage Iron Man adventure from the distance past featuring Madame Mask and the Radioactive Man and get a special glimpse of what's coming next for the Armoured Avenger. 56 pages... Beautiful cover and the end to a an absolutely phenomenal run on the character. Um, so I, I will get you to read the run and you will enjoy it. Sounds, <laughs> more, like a,
0: sounds more like a threat than anything else. You <laughs> will enjoy it. Uh,
1: absolutely. I'm going to flick on through the X pages, which uh, remain pretty fantastic um, and get straight on to uh, Marvel Tales book. As you know, these are oversized reprints of specific Tales involving specific characters uh, from the past, and this is Ghost Rider Danny Ketch, Marvel Tales number 1, by Howard Mackey, who was uh, a very well-known writer on Ghost Rider in the 90s, and Javier Salter's, who was uh, the artist at the time. A new Ghost Rider hits the road. Danny Ketch takes on the classic flaming skull mantle and becomes a comic book icon of the 90s. In Ghost Rider 1990, number one to two and three, when Danny and his sister Barbara are caught in the crossfire of a gang war between the Kingpin's men and the deadly Death Watch, Danny finds a mysterious and familiar motorcycle that, cycle that will save his life and change it forever. Evildoers, beware, because the spirit of vengeance is coming for you. And if his chains don't get you, his pen and stare will. But will Death Watch and his vampiric ally Blackout provide a violent end to Danny's heroic journey before it truly begins? The 90s Ghost Rider's adventures through hellfire start here. 104 pages, well worth picking up if you're not uh, familiar with uh, Danny Rand, or indeed, if you are. Um, and Blackout, I think, just appeared in the last issue of Ghost Rider that I, that I read. Benjamin Percy's run on Ghost Rider is just, is just class. Um, so there's plenty more going on in the heroes section. Daredevil, Punisher, Strange, Moon Knight, The Fantastic She-Hulk by uh, Rainbow Rowell, uh, which I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. Um, Shang-Chi... All of that, uh, all of that good stuff. But uh, I want to take you straight into uh, into Star Wars corner. Um, we're going through Predator and Alien, and uh, straight on to the first issue of Star Wars Yoda by Kevin uh, Scott. Kevin uh, Scott, best known for his work on Doctor Who stuff, Star Wars stuff, uh, Viking, Sherlock Holmes, and most recently Star Wars High Republic. Uh, he's a, a British comic book writer. I think he did scripting for some of the big Finnish audiobooks, Highlander, Black 7, uh, maybe some of the Doctor Who stuff. Um, but uh, he's certainly been uh, been making a name for himself in, uh, in, in comics uh, of late. But anyway, he's kicking off uh, Star Wars Yoda with uh, Nico Leon on art and a Phil Noto cover. Um, all new adventures for the greatest Jedi of all time. To some, he was a legend. To others, he was a teacher. Now, Yoda is all but forgotten, living in exile and hunted, haunted by the past. As a strangely familiar voice echoes through the swamps of Dagobah, Yoda must revisit the many lessons he has given over the years, from the days of the High Republic to the chaos of the Clone Wars. In the first of three story arcs, a desperate cry for help reaches the Jedi Council in Coruscant, and only Yoda can respond. But how far will he go to protect a community from attack? Uh, it's 40 pages. Uh, I guess it's an ongoing, it seems quite unclear. Uh, it doesn't look to be a one shot, but um, but there we go. Certainly, the the Obi Wan book has been great, uh,
0: and that's a uh, you know Obi Wan looking back on his life. So if this is anything, he, even like that... I've been enjoying that. I'm not the biggest Star Wars corner guy. Yeah, but, but yeah, as you say, this does say in the first of three story arcs. So as you said, sounds like an could ongoing of some could be three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or whether that's three
1: stories in the one book, I don't I don't know. Um, anyway, quickly following that, we have Star Wars Hidden Empire number one of five by charles soul who is the captain of the uh, of the star wars universe art by steve cummings uh we've got a battle variant cover by our friend declan shelby and um, this is the third trilogy uh, of the that you know that started with war of the bounty hunters and then went into crimson rain the mysterious syndicate crimson dawn and its leader lady Kira. Have become the galaxy's most wanted criminals as Zilper, emperor palpatine realizes the scope of kira's plans against them and moves to destroy her but kira still has tricks up her sleeve with the help of the knights of ren and many other allies she will not go down without a fight so five issues 40 pages uh the first two of these uh miniseries set you know within the the ongoing have been phenomenal uh i guess probably some of the ongoing titles will cross into this but i am i've never been so glad as to listen to you whenever you told me to watch Solo, because it, it absolutely prepared me for... It introduced Kira, and, uh, and absolutely... It was enjoyable in itself, um, and, uh, and, you know, it really led into all this sort of stuff, so... Uh, yeah, for me, arguably the for... best...
0: Arguably for me, the best modern Star Wars movie. Uh, I think it was not afraid to take risks, storytelling-wise. It introduced... Different ends to the galaxy. It wasn't wrapped up in Star uh, Skywalker mythology. Yeah. And I think it just suffered for the simple fact that it wasn't Harrison Ford's hand solo. And that itself is really annoying that, you know, Star Wars fans are like, oh, no, we don't need someone else as this actor. They've no problem with Ewan McGregor playing Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite no, it's, the fact it's, it's a different guy, Al Guinness.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, but it was just, I guess it, it was badly, it was maybe review bombed or badly reviewed or whatever. But, uh, um but yeah i'm glad I, i'm glad i watched it but not least because it prepared me for war of the bounty hunters and crimson rain and uh introduced uh introduced kira who has become a fantastic uh star wars character uh we also sticking sticking with uh with with our, our star wars corner we have star wars revelations number one it's a one shot by writer mark guggenheim with art by salvador laroca there's his name again i'm so glad he is back amongst the uh amongst the the regular Marvel artists, Pago Medina and more. There's a cover again by Phil Phil Noto and a variant cover by your friend Peach Momoko. Uh, a variety of other stuff. This is the can't miss Star Wars issue of the year. After War of the Bounty Hunters came Crimson Reign and now in the midst of hidden, hidden Empire, Kira has shaken the galactic landscape to its core. Uh, but what lies beyond for the Rebellion, for the Empire... What role do the bounty hunters play and what is happening to Dr. Afra? Witness the next step in the legacy of heroes and scoundrels in the galaxy far, far away. As Mark Guggenheim, uh, who dipped into this corner of the universe with Han Solo and Chewbacca, is joined by a ragtag team of artists to bring you an explosive tale you won't soon forget. The path to the future of Star Wars starts here. Interesting. So that's Star Wars Revelations number one, 56 page. One shot, and I'm not done quite yet, because uh, 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 moving to a slightly different, uh, a slightly different uh, science fiction franchise. Uh, and let me see if I can uh, actually let me let me just check here. Uh, it does look like some of these are crossing into uh, to Hidden Empire, some of the the ongoing Star Wars books, um, but those have those have gone quite well. Um, so yeah, crossing into another another uh, franchise we have and i know this is one you were saying that you, you you're not terribly familiar with
0: um, uh, i mean seen the original movies seen the more recent movies it's just never been a a fandom i've deep dove into i never felt the need to certainly read comics regarding this particular franchise but you're about to tell me why i should
1: well we've got the uh, planet of the yips adventures the original marvel years omnibus uh by uh, writer uh Doug Moench the creator of midnight no less and penciled by George Tuska and Alfredo Alcala. The simian sci-fi staple in the mighty Marvel manner relive the classic films Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes as the Marvel's 1970 color comic adaptions are collected in one action-packed volume. When a crew of astronauts crash lands on a strange and desolate world, they discover a society of apes with heightened intelligence and speech. And here, uh, a race of mute humans are their slaves. Can the mission's leader, Taylor, fight his way free and hold on to his humanity? What is the shocking secret of the planet of the apes and what unfathomable danger lies beneath the surface? Find out when a second spaceship makes its way to this uh, uncanny world and another astronaut faces a battle for survival with the fate of the entire planet at stake. It collects the adventures of the planet of the apes uh, number one to uh, eleven and all I can say is it's a
0: madhouse! That would play so much better to someone who knew what you were talking about.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean... (laughs) you know the uh i i loved the the original planet of the ips movie movies uh and also the tv series uh, it used to be a, a sunday morning watch for myself and my brother oh, okay. uh and so i uh, have uh, that that was it was a lovely lovely tv series and and reminds me of those of
0: those times so i thought it was worth mentioning absolutely the planet of the ips adventure original marvel years omnibus And we're going to finish off the Marvel section with one other omnibus and this is one I have not read. I'm guessing you probably have. I have, yes indeed. Of course you have because it's X-Men and the reason I'm interested in this is because of the creative talent involved. So anyone who's listened to the pod on numerous occasions knows I'm a fan of a certain strange Scotsman, otherwise known as Grant Morrison. He has, for me, one of the most diverse and interesting and wacky minds in comics, Uh, but he, he also writes some of the most iconic runs, I, I just picked up this week the Animal Man omnibus and uh, this is one that's solicited for Marvel that I've never read but very much will be picking this up and that is the new X-Men omnibus. So written by Grant Morrison involves artists such as Frank Quietly, Lionel Yu, John Paul Leon, Phil Jimenez, Chris Bacallo, Mark Silvestri, so tons of great talent involved there. So, Grant Morrison's wily innovative X Men saga returns. The X Men reimagined with a new look and a new mission. Must face weird new threats, including evil twins, organ harvesters, sentient bacteria, rebellious mutant youth power-enhancing street drugs, and living weapons. Yep, this sounds like Grant Morrison. Joined by (laughs) wicked telepath Emma Frost and the mysterious powerhouse Zorn, the X-Men go public, expanding Xavier's school to train a new generation of mutants, including the insect-like Angel, the bird boy Beak, the living sandstorm Dust, and eerie telepathic quintuplets, the Stepford Cuckoos. And as secondary mutations alter familiar mutants, the team is tested when Emma Frost sets her seductive sights on Cyclops. The all-consuming Phoenix threatens to rise again, and shocking traitors plot the destruction of everything the X-Men have accomplished. Uh, So this covers... New X-Men 2001, 114 to 154. So there's a good 40 issues, plus the annual number one as well. A mammoth, 1,120 pages. And as I was reading through that, I could just see in my peripheral vision, Keith nodding along with it. This sounds like it's a better run than you remember, maybe.
1: Uh, I It is. It was, I mean, it was uh, very, it was Grant, Grant Morrison, you know, so <laughs> definitely controversial, Um there was a lot of new stuff introduced that has has been kept uh, kept around um and there was the the new costumes and all of that sort of sort of stuff but uh, yeah definitely definitely worth it i mean i would i would certainly pick it up and and reread it in fact whenever i get my collection up to the house i might it might be a maybe a one that i pull out and reread
0: uh, excellent to hear so yeah I just anything morrison i just tend to jump on and i've always heard good stuff about that new x-men run so i will definitely be jumping on that as i say so that brings a mammoth marvel section to an end was chunky wasn't it, it was very chunky uh so we'll move away from there and we'll finish off as we always do by going through the frankly massive uh previews book but we go through it so you don't have to And uh, we break it down in the publisher, of course, and we're going to kick things off, as expected, with Image Comics.
1: Yes, indeed. And we have a series premiere again uh, of uh, Scotty Young's uh, much appreciated I Hate Fairyland, uh, number one. Uh it is obviously it's 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 starting again. There are uh, and they've offered again the I Hate Fairyland original volume number one to four and a few other bits and pieces, but Eisner award-winning writer Scotty Young, Middle West, Twig, The Me You Love in the Dark. What is not to love about that list? An artist Brett Bean uh, of Marvel's Rocket and Groot bring back the hit comic I Hate Fairyland for an all-new ongoing series. Everyone's favorite green-haired axe wielding crazy maniac returns in this Deadpool meets Alice in Wonderland-styled adventure. Uh, Gert has all grown up and living in the real world. Times are tough, and the only job she's qualified for is her trying to make her way back to the place she hates the most, Fairyland. A campy joyride for readers with dark sense of humour, Deadpool comedic timing paired with an offbeat Alice in Wonderland word building. Um, yeah, I thought it was worth mentioning because uh, Scotty Young. and uh, I mean, I haven't got a lot of experience of I Hate Fairyland, but looks really interesting. The art here is is fantastic. Um, so worth worth a look your experience with I Hate Fairyland
0: I own the first hardcover, never read it uh, similar to yourself I mean anything, I think Scotty Young's been on a hell of a run in the last couple of years between Middle West and Me Loving the Dark and Strange Academy and he's been writing some really really good stuff and I Hate Fairyland seemed to kick off that creator owned urge so yeah. uh, I'll definitely jump yeah. into it at some point as I say I have the first hardcover I just haven't haven't got to it just yet um, are you enjoying Twig? I am. Um, you know, it, it, yeah. I have the feeling, though, it's it's only five issues, which again yeah. surprises me. I mean, I remember that with uh, Middle West, 18 issues seemed short, so five issues seems even shorter. Yeah, <laughs> it's very,
1: very Bonesque, which is always a good thing, you know. Um, and Bone so, was
0: certainly not five issues.
1: Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> um, so flicking on through the image section, we come to hell to Pay. And this was the, uh, this was the, you know what I mean? It gives you the little idea box, which tells you it's what meets what. Yeah. Uh, Well, this one, this one was the one that grabbed me. uh, And that's Hellboy meets Indiana Jones in this supernatural adventure. Perfect for fans of the magicians and the devil's advocate. And that is Hell to Pay number one by Charles Sowell and Cork's own Will Sliney. So we have, uh, it's actually an adventure. It's a series premiere. And uh, the Shrouded College will give you magic but you'll incur a debt. Oh, where have we heard that before? Um, that's, you know, Dr. Strange right there. Until it's paid, you belong to them. Married couple, Maya and Sebastian Stone, took that deal. They have worked for the college ever since, using their new abilities to track down six, six, 666 cursed coins. Quarack, uh, a.k.a. the devil's dollar, only a few remain. The stones are almost free, but the devil's in the details. As it says, Hellboy meets Indiana Jones in the supernatural adventure from Charles Soule, Eight Billion Genies in Undiscovered Country and Will Sliney, Spider Man. Uh, you're interested in this as well, I trust.
0: Oh, very much so. I mean, again, that image box has just uh, brought us both right in. Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, Hellboy, that's the sweet spot. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be jumping on that. And of course, Will Sliney, you know, local artist who did amazing stuff over lockdown, helping people learn how to draw, you know, aiming at specifically at younger artists and so forth, you know, did some great work there. And Worked that up from like a YouTube show to an actual network show, so. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice to see his passion for comics is still there. You know, he hasn't been lost to the world of, you know, daytime entertainment. Uh, one of the big ones for me from Image, I thought this looked incredible. Now this is one that when you see the preview art, there's no way you're not going to want to be on this, and that's not too surprising because uh, the artist on this, who is also writing, is uh, Lorenzo Di Felici, who of course was the artist on. Oblivion Song. Oh, Oblivion
1: Song. Yeah, absolutely. So um, and
0: recently finished, and what a what a series. Yeah, thirty six uh, issues. Oblivion Song with uh, Robert Kirkman, of course. But now he's went on and is doing a four issue mini series through Image. Now I'm wondering if every issue is going to be oversized as well, because issue one is fifty six pages. You look at the preview art for this, and it's absolutely incredible. So uh, imprisoned in a tower within the walls of the Peel city, Chroma which is the name of the title, uh, name of the (laughs) series, sorry, Uh, is believed to be the most evil creature alive, but a chance meeting with the mysterious orphan Zet creates an opportunity for Chroma to escape her cruel fate, that is, if they can survive the strange dangers within the city walls and the monstrous threats that lie beyond. Writer-artist Lorenzo de Felici creates a breathtaking adventure like none other, filled with strange creatures and unparalleled beauty in a colourful world unlike anything ever seen in comics. Uh, Again, I, I can't overstate how beautiful a title that looks to be. The next one up I'm going to chat about is one that I actually, I've never read this, but I've heard nothing but amazing things. It's a multi-Eisner Award winning title through Image Comics uh, from David F. Walker and Chuck Brown with art by Sanford Green. And it's a title called Bitter Root. As I say, multiple Eisner Award winning. It was 15 issues long and also had a a one-shot special as well. So it's all being collected into one omnibus and... Image have been doing this for a few things recently. They're collecting the spawn series together. They've collected things like uh firepower into these volumes, that kind of thing. So for this one, uh bitter root is for generations the Sangir family has fought to protect the world from the evil plague of the Jinu, hideous creatures born out of hate and racism. But now the family must face an even greater evil that has arisen to destroy humanity and threatens to rip the family apart. So again, that contains all three trade paperbacks put into one glorious omnibus so everything all in one place and again multiple eisner award winning is definitely a good sign so i will definitely be on that
1: very cool um a couple more image books from me uh one is the first of a six issue miniseries by doug wagner with art by daniel Hilliard. uh serial killing cannibalistic furries plastic and vinyl creators doug wagner and daniel Hilliard are back this time, they've recruited colorist extraordinaire Rico Renzi for this. their disturbing neon horror spin <laughs> into fursuit psychopaths and bizarre love. In plush, Devin Fulcher is coerced into attending his first furry convention. When he accidentally happens upon a group of furries devouring a human, the insanity begins. Do they want Devin for dinner or something much more wicked? Uh, not for me, but maybe for someone. <laughs> um, what was What is absolutely for me and I think uh, is worth mentioning is Philadelphia number 25 uh, one of our favorite uh, series by Rodney Barnes and Jason Sean Alexander both of whom we uh, interviewed uh, somewhere along the the pod trail And the reason I mention it is because we love new story arcs and jumping on points and if you can find a jumping on point for this series then you're doing rightly. This is there's no place like home part one It is the perfect jumping on point for new readers. The sold-out Eisner Award-nominated horror series reges with more mind-bending twists. From Rodney Barnes, the writer behind hit shows such as Marvel's Runaway and Stars of American Gods, and Jason Alexander, the artist who redefined Spawn. Vampire King and First President of the United States, George Washington, has unified the warring vampire factions, blurring the lines between good and evil. Now Washington and company must face one of the most formidable military leaders in history, General Toussaint Louverture and his Haitian army have been resurrected by the sight of light. And one thing and one thing only uh, is their goal, exterminate all vampires. There's also an available Noir edition featuring black and white line art interiors. But uh, yeah, apparently a perfect jumping on point. So uh, if you're not on this, get on this.
0: Not only a perfect jumping on point, but an excuse to go and get the trades leading up to it. Because as Keith says one of Image's very best titles uh, but it's nice to see a jumping on point for an indie title because they can be tricky a lot of indie series tend to be long form storytelling so jumping on points can be uh, a little bit at a premium so but uh, yeah Philadelphia 25 so just a couple last ones just to finish off with on image so first of all you have a brand new it's an advanced solicit admittedly it's not out until later in the year Uh, it is solicited for the december release rather than november but it's called there must be james bond producers out there somewhere raging that this title has been taken Too dead to die Uh, A Simon Cross thriller. So this looks to be an original graphic novel in the same vein of what Baker and Phillips have been doing with Reckless. Uh, And this one has a pretty good creative team as well. Mark Guggenheim writing and Howard Chaikin on art. So it's noir and it's spy. So it's right up my alley. Writer artist team Guggenheim and Chaikin reunite for an all new original that brings classic spy novels to the modern world. In the 1980s, Simon Cross was America's top super spy. Today, his past has come out back to haunt him, forcing him out of retirement for one final adventure. So again, it's very, you know, genre specific. It's very noir. It's very one last job. That kind of thing. So again, right up my alley. And the other one I'm going to mention is just with a heavy heart. But, you know, all good things must come to an end. And this month sees the solicitation for the November 2nd release of The Final Volume of Deadly Class. A moment of silence, please. Okay, silence observed. So, uh, yeah, this is volume 12, which is finishing Deadly Class off. Which, So it's it's a run up to 56 issues. I think for any independent comic to reach that level is usually a testament to the quality of it. Uh, so, again, this is the last one. Rick Remender writing, Wes Craig on art, Lee Lockridge on colors, the same way it's been the whole way through it. There's nothing more beautiful than a total retreat from reality with someone you love and a place where you can leave behind all the noise, greed and hate for a quiet and simple life. But does such a place truly exist? And if it does, how could the rabid monsters not come to destroy it? A final lap around the track with the outcasts of Generation X as everything they ever predicted comes true. In terms of single issues, Deadly Class has one left, so the next one that comes out will be the series finale there will be tears <laughs>
1: you you think you nearly you nearly teared up the day whenever we were talking about it nice said, but it's over and you were like it's not over there's one more issue left
0: had to had to very quickly you know confirm that there was still one issue left so uh but yeah i mean there's tons more great stuff in the image book again you know again pop in the store and have a look or look up the solicitations online it's just there's way too many for us to mention but We'll move away from there and highlight a couple of titles through Boom because they have a pretty strong month this as well and I'd spoken there very quickly about Chroma being one of the most beautiful titles of the month. This is up there as well. There's, there's three pages of previews art for this. It's a series called Behold Behemoth Uh, It's a brand new number one. There's going to be five issues in total. This is written by Tate Brombal, who's been working on uh, House of Slaughter, I think, with James Tinian, and drawn by Nick Robles. So a brand new original series, perfect for fans of House of Slaughter and Gideon Falls. Again, you're hitting my sweet spot. House of Slaughter's Tate Brombal brings his first original series to Boom Studios alongside Red Hot artist Nick Robles, uh, who'd worked on The Dreaming Waking Hours. Grayson's world is crumbling following his brother's sudden and mysterious death. His sleepless nights are haunted by vivid nightmares of a terrifying monster, pushing him to the brink of losing both his sanity and his job as a social worker. But he's truly shaken to the core when his newest case, a young orphan girl named Wren, is found at the scene of a brutal murder just hours after first meeting Grayson. The line between nightmare and waking life blurs as Grayson soon discovers that the monster from his dreams might just be real. A mythical ancient beast that is bringing about the end of the world with shocking connections to both him and Wren. I mean, if I hold up this sort of double page spread, and again check this out if you get a chance in the store, it's just an absolutely Gorgeous looking title, you know, very unique uh panel layouts, beautiful colours. Yeah, that is right up my alley. That's that's up there for me this month, and I'm pretty sure it made pretty sure it made the board. So that's the, the ultimate compliment.
1: Um sticking with boom then, we have their gem of the month, uh or what, Diamonds Gem of the Month, one of them anyway. Uh one of the longest titles of the month as well. Uh, With Once Upon a Time at the end of the word number one. And this is written by a name that may be familiar with you from the Marvel book earlier, uh, Jason Aaron, and illustrated by uh, Alexandre Tefengi, who may be familiar with you for you from The Good Asian, uh, which was a fantastic series earlier on uh, this year, I believe. Um, Jason Aaron, Alexandre Tefengi, and Lee Lockridge kick off a decade spanning tale of survival in the wasteland. 32 pages and it's a, an end of November release. In this epic post-apocalyptic tale, uh, Macio and Meze uh, have never met anyone like each other, and they need all the help they can get to survive a planet ravaged by environmental catastrophe. This epic trilogy, each issue overflowing with 30-page story, spans a lifetime as philosophical differences tear at the threads holding Macchio and Meze together. Will they and the earth beneath their feet ultimately be torn apart? New York Times bestselling Eisner and Harvey award-winning and Marvel flagship writer Jason Aaron, Thor, The Avengers, Southern Bastards, uh, launches his most ambitious creator-owned series to date with the first of three unique artistic partners, Eisner award-winning artist Alexander Tefengi, the good Asian, uh, to take on a vision of the end of the world. It's brutal, nostalgic, whimsical, grounded, and ultimately timeless. Wow.
0: I mean, I love me some Jason Indy stuff, but can you please go back and finish off Southern Bastards, please, Jason Iron? I will keep saying it on this podcast, which, of course, you don't listen to uh, until it actually manifests itself into reality. But yeah, that that looks fantastic. You know, it's there's they've obviously led that with uh, the front of the previews book as well as one of the the big titles of the month. So. Definitely, uh, push on that.
1: Three, three issues with retaining artists. That's interesting.
0: It's that's an interesting one, but at the same time, it's a little bit disappointing only because Alexandra tefengi did such great work with the good asian mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that when i saw them doing this uh, that was a big selling point for me but i'm sure it will be artists of equal stature or standing and skill. so uh, absolutely definitely one to look forward to another boom title that's stuck out this month is uh specs uh brand new number one of four and this is one that you may notice the cover looks a little familiar little uh, nod to John Carpenters they live right there um, and uh, tell me again who's writing this and this is David M Boer writing this so ah, of course our buddy, another one we've interviewed in the pod God. People are going to start thinking, and you know, there's nepotism or something going on with what we recommend. <laughs> love to, but.
1: I'd love to get a chat to David again, I <laughs> actually have to say.
0: But yeah, it's just, uh, this is written by David M. Bohr. Of course, uh, we were introduced to his work through Canto primarily. Uh Chris Sheehan on art for this one, who of course has been doing the art for House of Slaughter as well. So again, keeping it in the boom in-house. So this says it's a supernatural 80s throwback, perfect for fans of Stranger Things and Stephen Keane. In this mysterious new series, what happens when a couple of misfit teens mail order a pair of x-ray glasses and realise they've received much more than they bargained for? But all Kenny and Ted want is to not feel like outcasts in their own small Ohio town. Their world is turned upside down when the magic specs they receive unlock a world of possibilities. Their wishes start out innocent enough, but when they wish that their bully would disappear, well things take a curse turn with far darker consequences than they thought possible. So yeah, some lovely, uh, variant covers here as well, obviously playing on the glasses a lot. As I say, we homage to they live with the, uh, the main oh. cover, I believe as well. So I'd be jumping on that. Oh uh,
1: yeah, I think I'll be, I'll be on that myself. Um, for me, we're going, uh, back to just Whedon's firefly universe with, I think it's a one shot, Alan, Mm-hmm. called firefly keep flying number one now that's in tandem with uh, with the self-same david emboer's all new firefly ongoing series um it's written by jeff jensen and illustrated by Nikolai Ezo. says find a crew get a job keep flying those words of wisdom take on surprising new meaning forever many years in the future While well, she uh, relied on her family uh, on the spaceship serenity in more ways than anyone truly understood an outrageous adventure will push river to her limits We'll take a new chosen family to get her through it. Her determination to keep flying and the lessons the Serenity taught her uh, is what will keep her keep River going to stranger horizons than anyone thought possible.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. the Firefly stuff. You know, you, it seems to be of a very high quality every time, doesn't it? Wasn't David Embury writing Firefly as well at one point, or was it just a one shot?
1: Oh no, no, no. He's, that's what I'm saying. It's uh, it's all new Firefly. Is his ongoing series?
0: Oh, that's it yeah it's uh there's a few guys in store uh, reading firefly and they continue to you know yes. speak very very highly of it to say the least so it is fantastic but yeah that's the the boom studios and we'll move on then just to dark horse just a couple to tell you about quickly uh the first one is a new brand michael bendis series which is called the ones it's going to be a four issuer again bendis writing jacob edgar on art So from award-winning writer Bar Michael Bendis comes the next best awesome super team to end all super teams, The Ones. Every single person in every mythology that was told that they were The One are brought together for the first time to defeat The One, the actual One, the real actual One. (laughs) This amazing new vision is brought to life by Wonderkind artist and co-creator Jacob Edgar, who's worked on Batman, Army of Darkness, uh, watch as he brings his explosive comic splendor to this big new world. Think good omens meets Ghostbusters, meets the Adam Project, meets the Goonies, meets everything everywhere all at once. Um, anything else you've ever liked? That's quite a solicitation. Uh, quite. <laughs> but yeah, as I say, brand new Ben this series. He seems to be primarily focused on Dark Horse stuff these days. Uh there. And then the other thing to mention with Dark Horse is that Kevin Smith is starting his own imprint. Uh, ...through Dark Horse Comics... ...so he's going to be releasing several titles... ...and the first one here seems to be based on... ...primarily on Clerks... ...and on the characters of Jen, Silent Bob... ...so this is called Quick Stops... ...so it's going to be number one of four... ...I mean the iconography of the cover... ...will be familiar to anyone familiar with... ...the Kevin Smith movies of course... ...so written by Kevin Smith... ...with art by Jeremy Simser... Uh, ...enter the Askew, Askew Universe were in pop culture nuisance. <laughs> Great description. Uh Kevin Smith's brand new anthology series opens for business telling tall tales from the Sorry. Jersey world.
1: That we still be there. So that pop culture nuisance came from uh, I think it was one of the comic cons that uh that Kevin Smith attended recently mm-hmm. and they they introduced him as such and such an all-around pop culture nuisance and he got a wee bit offended until he realized whenever you know, he was like, oh, "You invite me to this, and then you, you sort of describe me as that." He said he didn't say anything because he's he's a nice guy, you know. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until later he realized that whenever he was stoned, that was the intro he had sent them for himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
1: anyway, sorry Ellen, I didn't mean to spoil your. Flow Not there. at
0: all. I'm more than happy to jump up uh, out of the way for a little bit of trivia. Uh, But yeah, so with this one, yeah, your pop culture news since Kevin Smith's brand new anthology series opens for business, telling tall tales from the Jersey world of his classic comedies. In this premiere issue, Chronic Con guest of honor Holden McNeil tells Alyssa Jones and a packed podcast audience his story of going green with legendary loiterers Jen Silent Bob in the quick stop cooler and how it directly led to the birth of his Blunt Man and Chronic comic books. So, yeah, they just look like fun. I mean, for me, that's Kevin Smith's best era. I'm not a huge fan of the horror stuff he did later later on, but some of those early movies are genuinely really good movies. Clerks, Dogma, Chasing Amy. You know, Jan and Bob was a lot of fun. Mallrats gets a bad rep, but it's actually very good. So uh, I'll definitely be jumping on that because that's a, a bit of a throwback to the golden era. I can already see them taking the mick out of pop finals in the uh, the preview art. So again, I'm on their side.
1: <laughs> um. So we move on to Strangely. Uh, dynamites continuing efforts to get me to buy their books um, and in this case they're teaming up tarzan with dan jurgens uh, who we mentioned earlier as the writer of fantastic superman 75 the death of superman uh, for dc and we have uh, lord of the jungle number one another one of diamonds gems of the month as i said by dan jurgens uh, artist is benito gallego 32 pages action adventure At long last, the Lord of the Jungle returns to comics. One of the most famous and recognizable characters in the history of fiction is back, uh, starting with an adventure that returns us to the days before his birth, as well as a time later in life than before his birth. Uh, when a past wrong must be made right, no matter what manner of beast or obstacle stands in Tarzan's way. From acclaimed writer Dan Juergens, Death of Superman, Spider-Man, Thor, Booster Gold, Justice League, and so many more, comes a tale that wraps the familiar with something brand new. With epic art by Tarzan New Adventures Online comic strip artist uh, Benito Gallego, uh, this is sure to be a book that delivers uh, Tarzan for Bat fans both old and new. Uh,
0: Interesting. Tarzan in the modern world with a classic creator. What could possibly go wrong? Well, it's from Dynamite, so hopes are not high. Um, there's a
1: there's an interview in, uh, in the 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 previous catalog here with Dan Jurgen's about uh, about uh, Tarzan, so I'm interested in uh, getting a wee, getting a wee read at that.
0: Cool. So we move from Dynamite and over to Aftershock and a couple of titles here, one from me, one from Keith, the one from myself. I'm a big fan of the writer John Lees. He did a, a great book called Sink uh, through Comics Tribe, uh, which is a great horror-based book. He recently did a great wrestling book called The Crimson Cage, which mixed wrestling with horror for AWA Studios. He's now writing for Aftershock, and this is a new title called The Last Ride of Pillar and Pride. So, written by John Lees, art by Joe Mulvey. Uh, when Brian Pillar and Eli Pride were kids, they did something incredible. They saved a girl's life and stopped a madman. They were heroes, but that was a long time ago. Now, with their careers as young adult adventure novelists in decline and their friendship in similar dire straits, the pair embark on a road trip back to their old hometown in hopes of rekindling their friendship. But a new evil has emerged in the town of Tarragon Falls. Can Pillar and Pride be heroes once again? Written by John Lee and illustrated by Joe Mulvey. Lifelong friends embark on a road trip. Why would that just repeat the exact same thing? Lifelong friends. And why would Bar- you just read it? <clears throat> on a road trip back to Tarragon <laughs> Falls where evil has set up camp. Yeah, I just am a big fan of John Lee's. He's a Scottish writer. I met him at Thought Bubble last year as well. Just a ah. very nice guy. Very knowledgeable uh, and also a big wrestling fan, so he gets two okay. thumbs up from me.
1: There we go.
0: Um, very, very nice. There seems to be a lot of new evils about this month. <laughs> it's almost like, like it's... things will never be the same again.
1: Yes, quite, quite. Um, For me, uh, from Aftershock, we have Fear of a Red Planet, number one, by Mark Sable uh, on writing and Andre Olympieri on art. It's a featured item. Mars, 50 years from now, humanity's first Martian colony is no longer self-sustaining. Under the thumb of its corporate mining overlords, the surviving colonists slave away just to pay for resupply rockets from Earth uh, with, with little or no hope of returning home. Uh, one woman has kept a fragile peace. the UN's first and only interplanetary marshal. Uh, a a law woman uh, escaping a violent past on Earth, she prides herself on never having fired a shot on Mars. But when she's tasked with uh, solving the murder of the colony's most hated man, her investigation threatens to tear the red planet apart. Written by Mark Sable, uh, uh, writer of Miskatonic and currently where starships go today and illustrated by uh, Andrea Olympieri, Dishonoured and Dark Souls. Fear of a Red Planet is a near-future Western with a hard sci-fi of The Expanse and a hard-boiled gunslinging of Justified. Yep, I'm in, I'm in.
0: Yep, you're all about the Red Planet at the moment, aren't you? Because we move from Fear of the Red Planet to Travelling to Mars. This is a new one from Ablaze Studios that you had highlighted, and there's that name again, Mark Russell.
1: Yes, absolutely. He appears again, and I do appreciate you wrapping uh, there while I uh, flicked edges to get to what I was looking for. Um, as well you say, another machine. feature. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well-oiled machine. Uh, <laughs> so, as you say, from a blaze, uh, featured item, uh, traveling to Mars number one got a great cover of a of a, of an electric guitar on uh, on the the surface of Mars. Uh, as you say, it is by Mark Russell, who we mentioned previously. Um, uh, uh, he was writing a couple of things for Marvel earlier on, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what. Um, it's mature comics, sixteen and up, science fiction, action, adventure. Uh, Ray, Mark Wright, Mark Russell, uh, not all robots, uh, and a variety of other bits and pieces. Oh yeah, sorry, Flintstones and uh, and uh, the uh, Vampire comic.
0: Nation was the
1: that's the one. one. Thank, Thank you. you. From Eisner Award winner Mark Russell and hot new talent Roberto Melli comes a compelling new sci-fi series. Travelling to Mars tells the story of a former pet store manager, Roy Livingstone, the first human to ever set foot in Mars. Roy was chosen for this unlikely mission for one simple reason. He's terminally ill and therefore has no expectation of returning. Roy has joined, has joined in this mission to Mars by Leopold and Albert, two Mars rovers equipped with artificial intelligence who look upon the dying pet store manager as a sort of god. Against the backdrop of not only his uh, waning days, but those of human civilization as well, Roy has ample time to think about where things went wrong for both them and what it means to be a dying god. A riveting story of planetary explanation and finding meaning in your final days.
0: Interesting. Intriguing. Intriguing indeed. Uh, So yeah, traditional comic right there from a blaze. But the next thing we're actually going to highlight is a reference book. Now, this wouldn't happen often, we have to say. We're not a reference book... Recommending kind of podcast, but we saw this and we had to showcase it
1: absolutely. It's from Day Street Books, it's the kick ass book of Cobra Kai hardcover, uh, written by uh Rachel uh, Bershi. The kick ass book of Cobra Kai is a master, it's a master sensei guiding readers through the karate craze San Fernando Valley, uh, with never before seen photographs and illustrations and exclusive interviews. With Ralph Macchio, Daniel LaRusso, William Zakba, Johnny Lawrence, Martin Cove, John Crease, uh, Zola Madeiran, Meradino, Ma- 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 Din- Miguel, uh, Mary Meiser, Samantha, uh, and much, much more. Journey through the deceptively humble strip mall that houses Cobra Kai, the magical backyard retreat of Miyagido, and the abandoned factory used for an, an aggressive eagle fang training. And the show's creators uh, will give an unprecedented look inside the writing, directing, and production of the franchise that has grown from a scrappy underdog to a global phenomenon.
0: Worth a look, I think. I think you can see why we were talking about a reference book right there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Cobra Kai is just, it's, it's a great story. I mean, Keith was banging on about it for a year or two, back when it was a YouTube original, about how great it was. We were all slow to the to the tail ourselves, uh, but you know, once it jumped on the Netflix, we were completely hooked. And we're delighted to say that on the 9th of September, the new series launches. So just over a week until that. So just a couple to finish off with. I'm sure you're bored at the sound of our voices by now, but again, this gives an indication of the sheer wealth and volume of stuff in the previews, books that these are just the best things we picked out. But uh, I just wanted to showcase just there's a new comic uh, publisher starting this month, which is Frank Miller Presents. Frank Miller, of course, is a name synonymous with comics, you know, synonymous with great Marvel stuff, especially through Daredevil, synonymous with great DC stuff, especially through... Batman, synonymous with you know, Sin City, with Ronan, with all kinds of great, great stuff. Uh, he's had varied output in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, but there's no denying that for a good 10 to 20 year period, he was one of the top guys in the industry. So he's starting off his own imprint, which is called Frank Miller Presents. Now, in the previous book, there's two titles which I'll chat about, but there's two little sort of small mission statements here. The first is by Frank Miller himself, who says... Dan deal. Celine Thomas, and I couldn't be more proud launching Frank Miller Presents, which will serve as fertile ground for storytellers and new creations. Our focus for the publishing company is to cultivate a fellowship of artists and writers to mentor, collaborate, and push forward not only each other, but the art form as well. Investing in artists in the future of comics has always been my one true passion and creative calling. And then Dan DeDio, of course, is acting as publisher for this new uh, imprint, or this new publishing company. We're on a mission to create books for people to read and enjoy. It's remembering what we love about the art form and storytelling and bringing to today's audience. This is an exciting time for me. I almost forgot how much fun it was to make comics. That seems like a little dig at DC, but... Well, uh, but yeah, the two books that they're launching with this month are one will be familiar to fans of Frank Miller and the other is an all new original title. So the Frank Miller one is Ronan Book 2. So written by Frank Miller and the artists on this are Philip Tan and Daniel Henriquez. Frank Miller returns to one of his most critically praised and influential body of works, Ronan. This six-part miniseries follows the original work and takes Casey and her newborn uh, son across the ravaged landscape of America. With layouts by Miller, the beautiful panoramic art by Philip Tan and Daniel Henriquez captures all of the energy and excitement of the original series, taking the characters and world into a direction all of its own. This is not to be missed. It's interesting with Ronan because that was published through DC, so I wonder how he finagled the rights to that. Mm. But there is a brand new title which is launching this month, a brand new original one and this is written by Dan Dedeo, and the artist on this is Danello Beyrouth and this is called Ancient Enemies. So, Earth becomes the final battlefield for a centuries-old war between two alien races, but this final conflict becomes the unintentional breeding ground for a new generation of superpowers, each with the ability to influence the outcome of the war. Some superpowers choose sides, while others struggle to maintain their independence with the hope of saving the Earth. This series explodes with new characters and creations written by Dan DiDio, with design and art by the industry's newest rising star, Danilo of So, a couple of Frank Miller presents titles uh, to kick things off with a brand new publishing company. So we have one more thing to highlight. Each and then we promise we are done. So after yourself, sir.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there and highlight a couple of things, but they're they're very closely related things. Um, the first is uh, the trade paperback of Rocketeer: The Great Race, uh, which has been one of the most fantastic miniseries released this year, written and. Drawn, uh, illustrated by Stephen Mooney. Uh, It's a a continuation of the the classic uh, pulp character, the Rocketeer. Ace stunt pilot Cliff Saccord has returned from his New York adventure to a West Coast steeped in paranoia over the looming war in Europe. Having finally had enough of of his near-death scrapes and that as the high-flying Rocketeer, the only thing on Cliff's crosshairs is the great race. a prodigious winner-takes-all air race that runs from California to France. Maybe it's finally time to smarten up and fly straight, by taking his best girl Betty to Paris, but other parties want to win the race for their own nefarious ends, and Cliff will need to decide which prize is truly the most valuable. So that's the recent uh, Rocketeer. Uh, I think it was five issue series uh, by uh, by Irishman uh, Stephen Mooney, the brains behind Half Past Danger. Uh, but uh, one thing that has taken my uh, that has taken my notice that uh, it's a wee bit expensive, but I don't think it can look past is. Rocketeer, the Complete Adventures Deluxe Edition Hardcover, writing, art, and cover art by Dave Stevens. Take flight with Cliff and Betty in the beautiful oversized collection that features the original Complete Comics saga. Dave Stevens, the Rocketeer, burst onto the shelves of comic book shops 40 years ago. This beautifully illustrated and charming story features the adventures of down-and-out Depression-era stunt pilot Cliff Saccord after he finds an experimental jetpack and takes to the skies. Intrigue abounds as Cliff finds himself fighting enemy spies and nefarious criminals, all the while trying to keep his personal life uh, with Betty from being waylaid by his double life as the Rocketeer. This long out of print collection, and uh, Eisner Award winner for Best Design, features the entire Rocketeer saga by Dave Stevens, plus more than 100 pages of supplemental material, all wrapped up in a lovely slipcase. Um, Stephen Mooney did a a retrospective and interviews on uh, on the late dave stevens in uh in the great race um i mean i've always been interested in the character uh, primarily from the movie uh and then into the comic books so i'm really keen to sort of get my hands on the on the complete saga because us comic book collectors are nothing if not completists and appreciators of lovely things
0: appreciators of nice deluxe of volumes as well mm-hmm. and so yeah at- uh, as you say, it's a slightly more expensive looking item, but again, out of print stuff, if you try and source that yourself in these less than deluxe editions, you'll end up paying more than that anyway, I think is the way to look at that, mm. but uh, yeah no, that's that's the end of the comic book side of things, but you know, I talk about wrestling on here enough that I had to mention this, and Diamond Select Toys goes all elite, um, what are they doing with that? They are releasing an AEW figure for the one, the only CM punk, uh so i already have pre orders for this so make of that what you will but yeah it's uh it's a, a gallery pvc diorama it's not coming out until spring of next year so obviously it's a very much an advanced uh solicitation but it's uh depicting the infamous sort of pipe bomb of punk sitting you know cross-legged microphone in hand um keith of course doesn't watch wrestling it's it's not his thing but CM Punk, of course, did, of course, contribute to that great Jason Aaron run on Thor, writing no less than the annuals, I believe, that uh, accompanied that run. So I just had to throw that in there. And again, as I say, the pre-orders have already started for, which is, you know, know, know your audience. Know your audience. So uh, So, yeah. So that is us, believe it or not, after all of that. There were some chunky books to get into there. Lots of great stuff. I suppose that's not surprising. They do tend to sort of front load the end of year, you know, coming to the gift-giving season and, and so on and so forth. So a lot of these titles are due November, early December. Again, hence why there was a lot for us to get through, but... As ever, anything appeals to you, just get in touch with the story. Either drop in and see us, uh, drop us an email, coffeeandheroes at com, Get in touch through social media, uh, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We try to cover all bases. And uh, just let us know anything that appeals to you. We can get those on to pull lists for you, or indeed get you set up with a pull list if you're new to all this comic ordering malarkey. So, uh, again, hope this proves useful. Always fun going through the books, always fun getting a, a little bit of a heads up on what's coming out, and just always just good fun to chat comics with you, my friend.
1: Uh, indeed, and uh, my, my goal for the rest of the evening is to continue through the uh, 80 strong pile of single issues that I also have sitting and I have no excuse because I don't have a five week old
0: indeed well i'm gonna go down and hug that five week old uh try and put him to sleep and you never know i may fit in a comic or two myself this evening we shall see but uh again hope you guys enjoyed this look forward to seeing you in the store soon and i'll look forward to recording another pod with you very soon my good friend so good night and good luck so i've been alan and this has been keith miller
1: you can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community
0: hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well.